going on? It's your man Rudy Davino from the Subculture Patriots, and I'm here rocking with back on the Feedback Podcast. What up, everybody? It's back with the Feedback Podcast, and in this episode, I get to sit down with the one and only Mr. Bavu Blakes. And we talk about a lot of things in this one. Uh, we talk about how we grew up, the relaxed crew, uh, freestyling, hip-hop hum day. We go over some of his uh, releases, his move to California, the hip-hop scene, hip-hop grew up, teaching. I mean, there's so much. This is the longest podcast I've had so far. It's two hours long, so just bear with us. It's definitely worth it. I learned a lot. I hope you will, too. And make sure you stick around for the end of the show. There's a little freestyle treat for you. So... Here you go. Enjoy it. All right? Let's go. And we're live. Welcome to the Feedback Podcast. My name is Back, and today I have the pleasure and the honor to speak to one of Austin's legends, Mr. Bavu Blakes. How you doing, man? Fine and great. Yeah, true. <laughs> I expected that for some reason. <laughs> Fine and great. Always. Yeah. B-A-H-V-O-O, you got it? Yeah, yeah, let's go, let's go, let's go. (laughs) No, I really appreciate you for coming, man. I know you're busy, your teacher, school just started and all that. Yeah, first day. Yep, and we'll get into that later, the whole school thing. But um, I wanted to give people a little insight on what it's like to be Bavu Blakes, where it come from, what happened the music, the education, the journalism, the scene. I mean, we're gonna get. I want to go through all of that. So it's all gonna right. be a long show. Sorry, but I want people to know if they don't already. So uh, you're not. You're from Texas originally, or no? Uh, originally, no. I was born in D.C. A year after '73. Uh huh. Back when "Let's Get It On" was the song. Oh. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That so what, happened. So what brought you here to Texas? Uh, uh my father got a job. At Texas Instruments. So we moved from D.C. Mm-hmm. to Richardson. Eventually settled in Garland a couple of years later. And that's where I did grade school from fourth grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was when I first got to rhyme a little bit. Um, in the rap format, at least. Wait, wait, was it like at school at the, during lunch or what was it? I ran into, there was this dude in my class trying to cheat off me. And his name was Jay. And we ended up being really good friends. And he wrote my first rhyme. He came over to my house. I had a tape recorder and, you know, a keyboard. And we recorded our first rhymes. He wrote them all. Mm-hmm. And that ended up being Jay in Relax, you know, founder of Hump Day, you know. I think I met him. I'm sure you did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Yes, I did. I'm do you, sure know, you, do did. you remember the rhyme? Uh, it was called Nerd Rap. I went to Burger King just one day. I was hungry and my name is Jay. That's about all I remember. <laughs> I don't remember my parts because they weren't my parts, and per how, se. How old were you? Ten. Wow. Yeah. So at that point, like. Not even ten. Yeah, about, about ten. I don't know. Nine, ten, something. So when did you know you were going to get into music and, and everything? Was it playing at the house? Were your parents, like, all about, you know, everything that's coming out, the soul, the funk, the gospel, the gospel all of that? Into music, like, appreciation or, like, yeah. being an artist? Well, both. I was always into music, like. That Hugh Masekela album where the elephant has the foot on top of his head. That was my favorite album before I was born. With Grazing in the Grass, you know that record. No, I don't. 
You don't know that song? I wasn't around. Wow. Sorry. Okay. I've, I've, <laughs> I heard it in the grocery store like two days ago, and then I heard it another time at a planning meeting recently, and my teacher, ex-mentor teacher, what song is that? I said, oh, I can tell you about that song. <laughs> but um, no, I grew up in basically a black history museum. Oh. Yeah. Like, I have my dad and mom together. There's enough books to fill all the walls in this room. Um, and that's not counting the records. That's not counting the CDs. That's not counting the art. Like, that's how I grew up. I, I mean, my name is Bavu Adimu Malika Blakes. I grew up like that. <laughs> um, I have an extremely black background and extremely white foreground. And I think that actually has something to do with how I ended up wanting to be an MC and a musician and everything so bad was just to express my blackness. You thought that you had, um, you know, some, something to bring. And like, you're like, okay, I gotta, I gotta spread this music. I gotta spread this knowledge early on. Pretty much. I mean, high school. I mean, I was in the talent shows by seventh grade, maybe at the latest. Talent shows. Yeah, that's cool. You just like what rapping and yeah. Write, what were your first songs about? I have no idea. Probably being fresh, or you know, <laughs> had on a Volkswagen chain. You know, Volkswagen piece on a chain you know just just emulating just I mean, you were, being you, a rapper you were right in theory you were right there in the 80s yeah when basically hip-hop blew up and absolutely you were, you were the target pretty much exactly generation right because i was already arts and lists baby i already had written books you know before fourth grade like whole poetry books and all of that i was one of the oh, kids shit. who could read at two and you know write at probably two or maybe three at the most uh-huh. i was already like that i was already poetry i was already you know extremely literate and extremely artistic because that's just how I came out. And so grow, the point you made is very, really good, very relevant because hip hop is like my age. I think I'm a year younger or something. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was, it was right there. It was right there. That was the latest thing. That, so what drove you to actually do all that? Like, do you feel like you had you had something in, in you that you wanted you wanted to express, so you're like, this is my, this is my calling. Like, how did you? I think I was just expressing an attraction to that art form, and I had such a strong like black arts background uh-huh. and black literature background, and it just seemed like a natural progression. But then, like I said, like my parents are from capital city of Louisiana, capital high school, in fact, which mm-hmm. is you know just extremely black. I was born in D.C. I went to, you know, now there's a whole bunch of different like Pan-African and Afrocentric schools all over the country. Right. Even in the South. But I went to probably at least, yeah, I think it's the prototype called Watoto Shule, also known as Nation House, mm-hmm. where there's still people using that blueprint now and making schools, you know, all over the country. So I came from that type of background. Um, and then when we moved to Texas, we're in the suburbs, basically, in yeah. Garland, Texas. Uh-huh. And so I'm like, dang, what is up, you know? And just feeling really strange. Um, I was too young to really question it, per se. Did you feel like you didn't fit or something, or what was uh, it? I mean, in a sense, I didn't, but I didn't have a choice. I fit, like, I guess, I had to fit. I didn't have a choice. Like, uh-huh. that's where I grew up. So I feel like just holding on to all that art and holding on to hip-hop and really being into that, mm-hmm. at the time at least, and this is me, you know, 30-something years later, so I don't really know. But I theorize, I look back, 
And mm -hmm. in hindsight, I just feel like I was into that because that was the latest movement. You know, my dad, I was raised on the jazz and the funk and the reggae and, you know, all of that stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. And so it was just the latest thing. And it was just I was just raised to be on that. You know, I was I was a you know, I was a astute in uh, R&B, you know, when R&B was R&B per se. Mm -hmm. um, I was astute um, when an R&B artist just meant that you were a black rock star. So for hip hop to be that next wave, it was just natural for me to have an attraction to that. But I feel like my environment, my background and my foreground, it, it just it caused me to want to do that. And also it made me feel cool and not just a nerd. You know what I mean? Right. So it's not like you were trying to uh, impress somebody or anything like that. Uh, I was trying to impress somebody. Well, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Hip hop back at the time was all about impressing, yeah, impressing somebody. Yeah. Look what I can do. Look what I can say. Look, I got the freshest this. I got yeah. the this. I just start off as a knockoff rap artist, like everybody else. <laughs> I like that. Mm -hmm. So when did you when did you come to Austin? Uh, college. You I got it? a I got a full scholarship. Came down here to study journalism. Did that. Why journalism? Uh, let's see. Seventh grade, Miss Hibbets drafted me to newspaper and yearbook, so I wrote on those. And I was also in band and then made a decision in 11th grade to go back to newspaper and yearbook because you had it was either or in high school. But long story short, by like eighth grade, I decided I want to be a nightly newsman. Right. Really? Yeah. Like who, who are you looking at? Who who are your inspirations for that? All those people with the suits on on the, TV. The, I, the I still want to be. All that. Yeah, all of that. All of that. And I still want to be the Allstate man like to this day. Uh -huh. But that was that's later. But back then, uh, I know in Dallas, there was John McKay. You know, and uh, Ed Bradley was on 60 Minutes. Right. And it wasn't just the black dudes, but those dudes, you know, that was like, yeah, I could do that. You know, they were just they had that presence. Yeah. They had that 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 voice, you know, um, and things like that. And so I wanted to do that. And then by the time I was in like 11th grade, UT came and started visiting. And I never had the GPA because, I, you know, I would mess around like, you know, I was a good student in terms of learning, but I wasn't always like getting the grades and performing because I would just have lapses where I just didn't care about the grades or, uh -huh. you know, probably trying to prove something too. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm cool. I'm not. I'm Bavu. You never yeah. heard a name like Bavu. Yeah. What's up? I'm not a straight A student. Okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> so they came down there and UT basically was like, well, you have a plan. You know what you want to do. How much have you actually worked towards it? And I was like, you asking me how much journalism I've done? And I showed them everything I did, and they said, man, we'll pay for everything. You know? Yeah. And that was that. So you had your own, you had your own show. I mean, no, no, no. You came on scholarship to, to UT. Came to UT, yeah. Full ride. And then I got a job, too. Uh -huh. I worked in the athletic department, basically the sports PR department. So after every football game, I was the guy getting the quotes from John McAvick. And after every basketball game, you know, during every basketball game, I was on the sideline. Mm -hmm. Football, I was in the press box, and then afterwards get the coach quotes. Basketball on the sideline, five years straight, also the tournaments and everything, and get uh, Tom Pender's quotes, right? And then track, that was kind of like what I was really into. Um, some of my homeboys were big on, in track, you know, growing up, got scholarships and whatnot. I knew a lot about the sport through my homeboys. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I had an appreciation uh, for the women's side of track and field, too. Well, uh, funny story, I, I worked for the women's athletics department when I was at UT. What years? Uh, 2001, I think. 2001 or 2002, Okay, I think. 
Not 2001, because I was still at the, um, I was still a CS major. Okay. And yeah, I was a guy with the Usher shirt. Yeah, yeah, right <laughs> on. Setting, setting up the volleyball courts and people, where's their bathroom? Uh, that way, ma'am. Yeah. That, that was me. Yeah, I really got into track and ended up being like media director of the Texas Relays and hiring my homeboys to work. So we would work all day and then we would drink all night and then, you know, just sleep for a couple of hours and then get right back in the press box. So it was sports. It wasn't uh, anything else, politics, social in the issues. Su- well, in the summers, I would have to do the hard news internships. So one summer I went to Dayton, Ohio. One summer I did Dallas Morning News, which was like a really big paper. And so I had that background, too. But then the first time I had an internship at a TV station, which was, uh, I believe it's K-View. What's the one right across the highway from here? Oh, um, Shelton Green was there. I remember that. I think that is K-View. Judy Maggio was there. I worked off, th- off a stack right here. I interned there for about two or three days, and I was like, I'm never coming back here. This is whack. <laughs> right? But this was also 97. A cool story, man, is that in 1996, I had my radio class. John Hansen, John Hansen Jr., was the teacher. He does a nationally syndicated show called In Black America to this day. I don't know <laughs> if you ever heard of it, no. but it's through KUT. And he said, Man, I see you burning a candle at both ends. I know you're doing your music thing and everything, but watch out. Because you'll get, you know, you need to finish. You're too close. It's already paid for. You need to make sure you finish your degree. And this is the fall of 96. Spring of 97, I got down to final project. And I was like, I average it out. I could get a zero on this project and still get a C in my last broadcast class. So that's what I'm going to do, right? (laughs) Well, A, I'd walked out on the internship. B, I didn't do that final project. And even though I would have passed by average, my professor, who was also the head of my department, said, you have an incomplete. Uh Uh-huh. I'm not going to just pass you. I see what you're trying to do. So basically, it was prophecy, really. John Hansen was exactly right. I see you burning the candle on both ends. Don't run out of gas. I ran out of gas. I had those two credits left, summer of 97, right? Uh I was like, you know what? And I'd already walked across the stage, accepted my gifts from friends and family and all of that. And I was like, man, forget this, man. It's time to do this music, man. Really? It's time to really do this music, man. So and that's there, what I did. Was there a defining moment, or was it just like you 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 thought that the journalism uh, thing was a uh, wasn't working out, or you were, got burnt out, or just no? Like it was on... working great. I mean, if it was like sports, then I was an All American. We'll say at least a third team All American. Like to be interning at Dallas Morning News, you know, and going around the country working at these major places and actually getting paid for it, it was a big deal. And then on the track side, I was working for USA Track and Field. So like, uh, let's see, the fall of '97. Uh-huh. I went to South Africa because I was the publicist for the USA track and field team with like Marion Jones on the team. Like I was the only press representative they had. So I was very significant in what I was doing. I was very successful in what I was doing, but it was like I'm running around covering all these other people. They need to be covering me, you know, just <laughs> you impress somebody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. My ego took over, man. And I really just straight up chose to forsake all that stuff I had built up. You know, and it's in my music. If you listen to like Eddie Long and yeah, all yeah. kinds of songs, I talk about it all the time because it's something that I carried a lot of guilt about. And it was a really stupid decision. But thankfully, over time, it restored itself. I ended up back, you know, with a back, back. It's all right. It's all right. Back it's, with it, a with a journalism career and all that kind of stuff. You know, every everything kind of came full circle, um, but not before I could actually feel the sting of making those dumb decisions and doing that. But at the same time, I, you know, I had a great time doing music, and I was, you know successful you know i mean you had the kzi thing 
Yeah, that was so way, the, that the, was oh nine. That was twelve years later. That was when it was being restored. Oh, okay. I thought you know, I thought it was back then. So no, this that's we're talking late nineties. All right. Then by like oh six, you know, I'm at Emmy Television. I'm writing for the Statesman and things like that. Right. But there's a whole gap in there where all you saw me doing from the late nineties mm-hmm. all the way through the mid two thousands was just doing the music, man. Occasionally, I might work a job for a second, but for a while there, it was actually taking care so, of me. So what what was it like? Uh, what was the scene like back then when you first? uh, We first stepped out mid-90s and relaxed, you know. Actually, let's see. The first shows I did in Austin, it was on the drag. I want to say it was spring of 93 with musicians like Ephraim Owens, Brandon Temple, all these great musicians. We were upstairs on the drag at this place called Quacks Up, which was an upstairs venue above Quacking Bushes. I got a taste of that. I was like, man, you know, it just people always responded to me. And so it just it just it was so exciting to be able to kind of do my own thing, you know, like so, this it, isn't my parents dream. This isn't that corny TV station. Uh, this isn't me. You know, my, my ego was just like, man, do that, do that, do that. Forget all that other stuff. And I tried my best to forget all that other stuff. Again, foolish decision, but it had exciting results, too. So um, the scene back then, you know, it was like the scene I knew was mainly rooted in downtown spots like Catfish Station, Hip Hop City, you know, this is when uh, Common and the Beat Nuts and, you mm-hmm. know, uh, the Roots, and then we had different underground spots like Yo-Yo's working with people like Romeo. Uh, I don't have all the details, so I'm sure I'll leave things out and someone somewhere will listen and say, well, actually, it was, you know, but whatever. Yeah, no, that's fine. That's Y'all fine. remember, I mean. That's fine. Like, I remember that the, the first track I heard of you was that B-A-H-V-O-O, Track one, so when was that? Like two thousand. That came out. Uh, two thousand one, two, three. Two thousand two is when it came out on CD because Creating Hustle was my debut album that was released three weeks after Hump Day died. Okay. Right. Um, that's what I was working on and trying to capture that sort of Hump Day vibe, or at least what people expected of me from that, because mm-hmm. that was kind of its own scene within itself. And I knew, like, man, I could do some numbers just on the strength of that, and just doing shows Dallas, Austin, Houston. You know, so that's what I was doing then. But even before that. Uh, Nick Knack was the first person to put, put me on vinyl with the listeners single. Right. I did an EP, real limited, like 200 copies of a maxi single um, with this, my boy Patrick Murphy uh, under the name Up South. So me and Patrick were Up South. Me and Nick were Soundscape. The first time you got Bavu Blakes was Creating Hustle August 2002. Then by May of 2003, uh, Bomb Hip Hop out in the Bay released it again through Caroline Distribution. And that's when people started you know, hearing of me more than just the guy on the knickknack record, you know? Yeah. But did you have, at the time, did you have a certain, I don't want to say style, but formula or someone did you trying to emulate? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Because, I, I mean, the ego I part thought, is something that, you yeah. know, at the time, I'm sure a lot of artists had. So you look up to, you know, the big ones at the time. All the big ones at the time. And you're and like, then, okay, I'm, I'm going to be the local Big Daddy Kane, or I'm going to be the local this or the local that, or I'll... When I was younger, it was more like Rakim, but... Yeah, I, I mean, that's... Yeah. But honestly, when I was coming up, you know, in high school and could barely get out, it was really like the DOC and this dude named MYK. I'm not sure I know. I'm sure you don't, but uh-uh. you know that's probably what somebody says down the line. Well, you know, there's this dude named Bavu, man, and he was. Well, I'm not. I never heard of that guy. You know, mm-hmm. it's like that. It's like that. So yeah, the DLC. You know who that is? The DLC. The DOC. DO. Big album called No One Could Do It Better on Ruthless Records. Wrote a lot of Dr. Trey, Easy E's rhymes. He was on on. on was he on the Chronic? Uh, he wrote on the Chronic. I'm sure. 
He's from Dallas. He's got a baby with Erica Badu. I can't believe this. No, his, I mean the that, record it, it you know familiar. is you. Whenever you hear "Y'all Ready for This," that's his voice. That's the beginning of his first single, which is called "Getting Funky." Getting funky, getting funky. Oh, okay, I know that. Ooh. Okay, yes. So that yes. guy, when I was growing up, there was Tom Joyner locally on the radio, and he would play Feel a Fresh Crew, and it would be D.O.C. Man, I hate to go to work. And it's like this local record, but it's on the Tom Joyner show. And Tom Joyner is huge, and after he does his morning show, he flies to Chicago and does another show every day. And I'm here in D.O.C. I know who that is. Uh-huh. There's a club in Garland where I'm growing up called Kuntosh, where all these people and Too Short and N.W.A. and whoever's coming to perform – and I'm hearing DOC side by side with those people on the radio. And then I'm start suddenly hearing him not just on the hip hop shows, but on the Tom Joyner morning show every single morning like it's a theme. Now, you know, radio don't work like that now. Yeah. But <laughs> I was about to that say. and then this dude, MYK, just being independent and actually being able to have songs that people know, even though they're not on the radio, just from hitting the underground spots consistently. Uh-huh. You know, and I mean, he's down with Baby G and Cole Chris, Mad Flavor, Erica Badu, Has and Dress. All those people that I really admire before I could get out of the house, once I started getting out of the house, those dudes were like, you are crazy. You are dope, you know? I remember when Play the Role, a song I did, came out. Pump up Diego a little more. Yeah, the the first time DOC heard Play the Role, he was like, let me buy that. Really? And he's writing for Dre, and you know what I'm saying? And he's hearing my hooks, my stuff, let me buy that. You know, like were you were you ever I was like God? Ah, you know, you, I mean, at, at any point were you like, man, I don't, I don't know if this thing gonna work out or not. You're, but you're just like, fuck it, I'm just gonna go all out or nothing, and I'm gonna, you know. Have you heard play the role? Yes. Second verse. I have to listen to it again. It's been a while. Mr. About to be rap star. Quit your job the whole nine because you couldn't accept a corporate frame of mind. College educated, all that. Turned your back on the academics because your heart wasn't in it. Head spinning, well being in a roulette wheel. Rolling the dice with your life like it's based on skill. You eat through your own perseverance and will like an umbilical cord. Though you can barely afford your food, clothes, and shelter, the pressure's on. You won't let the heat melt you. When you perform, it's so intense. It's literally all you got. You had all the nuts when you first gave it a shot. Balls to the wall, all or nothing, ride or die, justify, giving it the old college try. Trying to get your resume thicker game, but can't complain. It's the rap game, the rap game, play the role. Second verse is about exactly what you just asked. Yeah, there you go. Thanks for the answer. Yeah. <laughs> all or nothing. Yeah. Man. So when you had, when you, let's go back to the. And that ended up being the most popular song I ever had. As far as was, I'm concerned. I mean, I, I, don't, yeah. I can't quantify that, but as far as I'm concerned. I think it was, it was dope. So let's go back to the Relax crew and then the whole yeah. hip hop hum day. So Relax day. was Jay, my boy from elementary. Uh huh. He moved to Allen, Texas, but we kept in touch. And then the Relax crew, me, my boy Bobby Dixon. You know Bobby Dixon. I think I met him. Collective Fusion, big time poster artist, lives yes. here in Austin. Yeah, I think I also met him graphic more. designer for Creating Hustle. He was my Creating Hustle extra player. Sanct. He did all those art. Uh huh. You got to look him up if you don't know who he is for sure, because he's very significant here, especially. But he's a poster artist all over, flat stock, all of that. Anyway, he was my ride to high school. He lived right around the corner from me. We went to sixth grade. When I was in sixth grade, we went to the same uh, middle school. But then I left that middle school, went to a different middle school. But we kept in contact. And then 
you know, that was like the neighborhood crew as far as people I went to grade school with. And we would always be at my house making recordings for the most part. Right. Uh-huh. Trying to shoot videos and all that. This is way before technology we have now. But we were shooting videos for songs like Bavu's House. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, so me, Jay, Bobby all end up at UT. And another dude I got introduced to named Sheldon ended up being the DJ for Relax. But at first, Relax was me, Bobby, Jay, uh, C-Mac. And then there was a couple dancers we had, you know, and we did a talent show at uh, UT. Mm-hmm. And then eventually me and Jay and Bobby and then were more like in the background. And it basically became me and Jay and sometimes me, Jay and Sheldon. And we were the relaxed crew, man. And people were always just like we always had some gravitational pull, man. I mean, you ask anybody who's back there in the 90s, you know, at first it was Trey God and them, their crew that would, you know, sneak me in the shows, get me in free. But I was just this crazy drunken egotistical freestyle you know bully type figure back in that eight mile era i was just one of those people who could get it done you know Mm -hmm. and you couldn't tell me no different you know and people reacted to that like it was yeah it was unique nobody else was like that yeah i mean my references would be you know your romeo navarro's and your trey gods and your your t-doubles your robert gabriel's whoever else you can remember that was around back then casanova Mm -hmm. i don't know mirage like in the 90s we were you know it was pretty exciting, you know, and, but uh, like I said, I would always be drunk and stuff. So I remember when the, the alcoholics came to town and, you know, I would challenge those guys when they were doing their shows. Like, you don't want to battle me, you know, while they're performing their show. And the, the alcoholics. Ta- yeah. Tash gave me a chance. And this is in the Chronicle, actually. You could probably Google Bavu Tash and read about it. Um, and he pulled me up there because first J-Ro did a popping battle with Romeo. And of course, Romeo tore him up. And then Tash, I snuck him. Like, I went in the back. I said, yeah, I heard you saying you want to battle him. See, I know somebody who wants to battle you, man. He's ready right now. And he's like, who is it? And I was like, me. me. And he was like, come on. <laughs> and we got up there. And just, you got Tash? Google it. Oh, I will. I will. Please, if you I feel crazy this, saying Google it. But. No, no, that's fine, dude. I, I look. I love the alcoholics. I was a huge fan, but to, I didn't know that. That's dope. Yeah. And then I remember Knickknack. I went to the Gavin with Knickknack like five years later. Uh-huh. And I was like, you remember me? I saw Tash on the elevator. Remember you in Austin and that dude served you up? That was me. I was like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't feeling that. But anyway, so, yeah. But, I, I mean, I used to handle folks, man. I, I mean, was it folks. so. Well, even, even the homies, you know, here, you know. I used to handle I mean, them do. So when hip hop hip hop home day started, the format was like it's gonna be all straight up freestyle with a band and we're gonna have Yeah, we had all our homeboys like Carl Settles and all of them and I had already moved back to Dallas, man, when I graduated, air quotes. Yeah. Right? But I was out. My producer at the time, we moved into the same apartment complex. I thought I was just going to be in Dallas for a while and then figure out how to get the rest of those credits at some point. But it wasn't like a front of my mind type of concern. I was trying to make great music, you know. Mm -hmm. By then, this is like the raucous era and, you know, kind of the... also, like the you know the outcast as far as the South, you had outcast and suave, and you know I'm hearing the live music vibes, and it's just all kind of making sense to me. Everything's either jazz or soul and mm-hmm. and funk and all of that, and I'm just like, yeah, right. And so, um, and you know everything's like dusty or samples and the samples from records that I knew when I was little, you know, all of that. So, long story short, we always worked with these different live players, and we were rooted in the Mercury. And Jay and Sheldon were really social in terms of the Mercury, you know. Uh, 
come back, you know, we'll do a show with Roy Hargrove or we'll do a show with such and such from Funkadelic or we'll do a show because Mercury would always bring these artists that connected back to, again, that background at the house, right? Mm -hmm. The records I knew of and just that kind of music, the jazz scene. So I believe it was Carl Settles, who now does E4 Youth, who was doing music regularly and kind of caught a vibe. And Jay and Sheldon, you know, we're going to start a night, you know, like Wednesdays. We got a night. You got to come back. So I moved back, I think, on a Tuesday. And mm-hmm. we started Hump Day the next day, July 22nd of, two, uh, 1999. July 22nd, 1999, if I'm not mistaken, was the first day. But I moved back the day before because of the opportunity. They so said, you got to be here. We got You have to be involved in this. Like, come on, you. And uh, that's you, how that's how that started. You and T and Trey and then. T didn't Cameron. start. T was at Soundcheck all the time. Like, what's up? What's going on? Yeah. Can I get on this? <laughs> you know. And for a while it was no, because it was me and Tiger Lou and I think Trey, I think Garrison. Some something like that was the beginning of it, uh-huh. right? Something like that was the beginning. Uh, but I remember T was always there super early, but he was always that guy. Like I remember I have pictures of uh we did a show with the Jungle Brothers and the Roots at the Texas Union in like ninety seven. And we had an in store at Tower Records across the street the day before. Right, remember and Tower I Records. see pictures of us. It says, Relax, disgruntled seeds. So we have a show and Jungle Brothers. And all three of us are performing at Tyler, at uh, Tower Records, right? Yeah. And in the pictures, you can see T trying to get on the mic, you know? So he was always that <laughs> he dude. He was hungry, man. Yeah, like, I'm going to put myself in the mix, you know? And so that's what happened with Hump Day. Uh, the only funny thing about when T got involved with Hump Day, because that was Sheldon's decision. Sheldon was kind of like the boss man. Yeah. And I was kind of like uh, the manager for sure. Like, you know, just throwing that bravado around. It's like I kind of set the pace on the mic in many ways. And I would say D-Madness set the pace musically in many ways, but it was very much a group effort. Don't get it twisted. But there was Tiger Lou, uh-huh. you know, from Afro Freak. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was an original MC. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. And when T was accepted in, Tiger Lou was like, if he's in, I'm out. And that was the last day Tiger Lou was there. Oh, shit, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, he was out. If he's in, I'm out. All right, peace. Like, no love loss or whatever, but he was just like, I'm not doing that with this guy. You know, this is a long time ago, so yeah, I, I mean, feel like I can just say it. No, it's fine, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Um, so, no grudges, no grudges. Yeah, I mean, it didn't. It wasn't like any beef or anything. I don't think he even told T, you know? Uh-huh. But we're all, like, 40 now, so whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's what happened. Um and then, you know, weekly, 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 you I know? I mean, how long did it take? I mean, I didn't jump in until maybe 2001 or so, because I remember I moved back I moved back from Georgetown to Austin, and that's when I found out, hey, there's a place where you can hear the hip, I can hear the hip-hop I like. Yeah. And yeah. Took me, it took me a while to figure that out, because I, like, I, like I've told you many times, like, um, my English had gotten better, Yeah, and I was trying to be like, okay... I know all these fools on the radio ain't saying shit now because yeah. <laughs> I now understand what they're saying. Yeah. I I have a couple of years of college behind me. Now I'm okay. What's out there? And yeah. I had to, I forgot how I found out. I don't know if I walked by or if I looked it up or what, but uh, how did the, how long did it take to really. To get huge? Yeah. Because by the time I showed up, it was already pretty big, I think. Uh, maybe six months. Is, oh, so there was a crowd. There was, I uh, want to say by the beginning of 2000. Uh-huh. Mercury became Mercury at Jazz Upstairs. And by the time we were at Jazz Upstairs, now known as the parish. Yeah. Psh, what? Man, man, those were the days. Yeah, that was the first regular event that the parish had. Oh, okay. Yeah. So sometimes, like, you'll, you'll hear somebody from home, man, we built this place, you know. 
and we didn't build it, but we were the reliable source of support for the Mercury when it moved to jazz upstairs. That part's true. I don't know. And I always remember I will always remember that that uh that last show. Will you? Yes. I won't. Well, really? I thought I'm, it was a dope show. Y'all Oh, all, I'm sure it, it was went, a dope show, time. but I don't remember it. I remember. Well, we did that every every anniversary we did solo sets. No, but and that, that last that, show was an anniversary. Well, it was That was the third anniversary. It was? Yeah, it ended the same week in July that it started. See, I didn't know that. Every me, anniversary. To, to I have several just... of them on tape, like video tape. Oh, you still do? Yes. And Dude, put audio. that shit out, man. Maybe. I got lots of audio. I know T has lots of audio. I know Shell has lots of We have lots of footage of that. This one set when me and Nick Knack did a soundscape set, it was ill because the anniversary shows, you had that same crowd excited about the anniversary, yeah. and everybody would do their individual thing, and that whole crowd would be there to love it, and then we would do the regular yeah, hump yeah. day thing towards right. the end. But yeah, the thing I remember about the last show was having a sign that was like, you know, something like, except no imitations, you know? Because I knew somebody else was going to do something like it soon. I don't think it happened. What's Boombox? Oh, well. And what's that other thing? Uh, they had, I know when I was in, in Cali, they had like uh, Hump Day Madness. Never heard of it. At, at the, what's that spot down there? Like, now it's like a, it's kind of like urban type club. Uh, right next to the whiskey bar. Oh, what whiskey bar? Hudson? Oh, Hut. oh Quantum Lounge? Yeah, what was it called before that? Uh, Townhouse. A, before that. Whiskey Bar. Nah, that's not the same place. You talking about Hudson that's on the corner? Nah, two doors down. I'm talking about Quantum Lounge. So it's Quantum Lounge and then there. Whatever it was called when it first started. Quantum Lounge. Whatever yeah. that whatever that was called back when, uh, you know, they had South by Southwest. Anyway, they had a hump day madness. They had a, a stimulus response thing they were doing on the drag for a while with several original hump day members. But Hump Day was Hump Day. It was the timing. It was the energy. Oh, it it was, was the people. It was the it was it was it was it was the b boys. It was the various parts of the Austin community who all came to enjoy the same thing. That thing was crazy. People you, got married there. People had babies there. T Double had a baby from Hump Day. <laughs> a lot of people had a baby from Hump Day. I think Sheldon had a baby from Hump Day. Is that, is uh, Element Seven D became an MC at Hump Day and basically met his wife on that scene. I know at least. Uh, Six examples of either children uh-huh. based on people connecting at Hump Day and or marriages based on people connecting at Hump Day. I can think of at do least you, six examples off the top of my head. Do you think that's something uh, that can happen again? No. Well, not on that level, but I'm saying no. that's something you'd want to do. You mean just like a reunion show? Yeah. Or yeah, why not? I know I've talked to Jay about it a while yeah. back. Why not? Man, that would be dope. Yeah, but the funny thing is, why is that necessary? Like... Why hasn't somebody, you know, and this is a rhetorical question. That's fine. But why hasn't somebody, like, come up with something like that, you know? Like a consistent performance type of thing with the locals that the people really want to see. I think that's proof that it was just, like, time and chance, like this this perfect sweet spot, this this divine timing. Because otherwise, it would have happened again already on some level. The the thing that... um I mean, since then, I mean, you have you have the AMX. Yeah, you have, that's an open mic. Yeah, I know, but I'm yeah. I'm saying a, a like a, a local spot that's yeah. on a regular basis yeah. where all 
local artists, rappers can get together and then just showcase and yeah. freestyle and whatever. That's not what we did. No, I know, but I mean. Because it, it demands a certain level of mastery to where everybody doesn't even feel fit to just jump up there. But it was also before the time where people who would be audience members in that era, uh-huh. now all, not all, but a large percentage of them consider themselves rappers now. True. That true. wasn't the case then. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah now yeah. it's like, hey, man, I'm a master MC, and I have this project I want to sell you. And they're like, well, you got to trade me, dog, because I'm doing my thing too. You know what I'm saying? And I don't want to, you know, disrespect anybody, because if you say you're an artist, fine. Mm-hmm. But really? I mean, you hear that all the time. Yeah, everybody. And we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to that. I really want to talk to you about that. <laughs> but let me let me go back real quick. The They can't even hold a mic right. Can't freestyle to say they lie. So let's talk so about freestyle. Me. Yeah. So what what came first? Did it came like from when you were a kid? Was did the journalism thing help at all as far as writing? Or was it just like you were always just out there? I was out of high school before I could freestyle. And then I think in college at UT, mm-hmm. like I said, I would always drink and party and stuff like that. I was real serious about my work, like my journalism career. I did a lot of work all the time. Mm-hmm. wasn't that serious about class because I thought it was kind of a joker. It was easy, and those were just the habits I'd already developed from grade school. But on nights and weekends, I was the freestyling, 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 freestyler. You, can, you know Saul Paul? Sounds familiar. He's like, man... Uh, you used to just blow my high with all that freestyling, but now I get it. Now he makes a living doing all these presentations, you know, incorporating freestyle and pulling different words out of the crowd. And it's like he's made a, a awesome enterprise out of that. He's even a, a international ambassador for the city of Austin, traveling in different countries oh. uh, this year, performing. Saul Paul, look him up. But he would tell me, you know, you used to blow my high because you were just freestyle for so long, so long, so long. But I could always do that and entertain people. In fact, I was out in uh, Houston the other day with one of my homeboys I went to high school with, who was our track star. I was mentioning earlier, uh-huh. one of them. But uh, and we sat down, and he was like, "So, uh, what's up?" And back in the day, that's all you had to say to me. <laughs> like a beat was on, and you'd be like, "So, what's up, Blake's?" And I would just bust out, you know, uh-huh. and I could just go. And I'm sure I still can. But I would say I, I, I thought I was writing raps, but I did not have a strong songwriting ability yet and then i got into the freestyling and that was the attention grabber and that was the unique gift you know and i i i feel like i was one of the top 10 percent of freestylers in the whole world you know like i honestly feel like that there's a lot of people that could do the flow yeah. who could flow there's a lot of people who could you know who could rap and hit some punchlines every now and then, but I felt like just fluidly being able to navigate styles, having like the, just the versatility, the comfort level, and to not fall off. Like for a while there, man, I, mean, I, I thought I was like top notch in the whole world. Now there's a whole new generation, and when I see people like franchise, I'm like, was I ever that dope, or is that like a new iterate? Like, is that how's it? How's it different? I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm outside of it. But when I see what Zilly and Franchise can do freestyling, I mean, they wise, went to championships and like competitions and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, but but even outside of that, just I'm just saying, just dropping a beat, what they can do right then. Yeah. I felt like I was that good, but being outside of it now, I'm not sure if I was ever. Maybe for that time, I was that good. I know I was received as if I was that good, but considering when I'm observing them. I'm not on it like that. Like I hosted 
the first battle where I remember them coming out of the house and they both made the finals and franchise beat Trey God and franchise Zilly Ike 2020. That was the first time I'd seen all of those guys. Mm-hmm. Zilly was disqualified because he kept saying nigga, 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 and you couldn't say that. And actually, <laughs> this was Saul Paul's event I was hosting. But um, so I love all the synchronicity and connections and whatnot. But what I'm saying is, when I see what those dudes do now, uh-huh. I wonder. You know, I know for at the time, I was ridiculous. You know, I, I mean, that's what really got me. Yeah, because, yeah. Because I knew, like, every time I came to Hum Day, it was a totally different show because yeah. it was all all off, off the top. Yeah. And so, and, and like, it was, it, and that's before off the top meant. Let me just do this first. I wrote from the song I got coming up or whatever. Yeah. So that that's what really got me. Yeah, I was more like the super net juice type era. I handled juice once. J.U. Ice from Chicago? Yeah, to the point where we hung out, you know, for the rest of that weekend. That was at Gavin. That happened. My witness would be Nick Knack. That would be my character I will, witness. I will ask him. Um, and J. whoever J. else was there with us. Um, Super Nat, you know. Yeah, Super Nat. Yeah, I've seen many times. The same guy that produces produced Summer Saturday songs is the same guy that's producing Super Nat, like, constantly right now. Uh-huh. And Super Nat sat in with us at Hump Day, and he was like a regular MC. T-Double would say, Super Nat got killed. I don't remember Super Nat getting killed. But I remember Supernat fitting in like, you know, it, it showed that. Because Super, come on, Supernat's yeah, ridiculous. But when he came to Hump Day, uh-huh. they had a show at Stubbs with Dilated, J5, That's Supernat. when I saw They him. all came over to Hump Day yeah. afterwards. And Supernat got up there with us. And, you know, it wasn't like, it was like we were all in the same league. You know what I'm saying? And, and you know, that made, that meant a lot to me. You man, know, if you're up there with Supernatural and J.U. Ice, man. Yeah, but at when I time. look at them, yeah, at the time. At the time. Because, again, when I look at Zilli and Franchise, because when I look at the, what the battle scene does, I think that is just crazy because just the sheer amount of ingenuity that goes into writing it and remembering it so often, so quickly. Like, you wrote this last night. How are you delivering it like that the next day? Do, do you like, follow the Loaded Lux and all those guys? I, everybody keeps making me watch it lately, like DOS or different people have me watch mm-hmm. And it, I think it's just crazy but i'm talking my orientation back then was off the top don't use the same phrase over and over again too too much yeah you know and just uh keep it moving have versatility i treated it i treated freestyle like it was space invaders (laughs) so you got the bullets coming down and those represent where if you get hit that you falling off so you got to either know how to shield yourself or you got to know how to keep moving around your rhythm and around your wordplay to where people are not perceiving you as messing up, uh-huh. which means you also, while playing Space Invaders, have to see those intro Star Wars credits, which means you can see the words kind of before they happen. You know how they're coming down the screen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know how the words move on it? So yeah. That's, that was always the way that I saw freestyling was I'm playing Space Invaders. So I'm trying not to get hit. I have some shields, but when I run out of shields, I still got to dodge the bullets. And I have to do it by seeing the words like the Star Wars intro. I have to see a few lines ahead of where I am now while looking people dead in their eyes and rocking beats and the DJ skipping and whoop de whoop. So it was just this amazing exercise, right? And now when I, you know, that's why I'm saying when I hear Zilly and Franchise freestyling over beats, and I haven't heard them in a while but when I would hear a beat drop and hear them dudes freestyle straight off the top, I was like, was I doing all that? I, I mean, I guess I was doing the same thing, but, I, you know, it, 
I mean, there. I, I feel like, dang, you know. Look, he was, was sitting in this chair uh-huh. that you're sitting in, yeah. And he did a freestyle about yeah. feedback at the end of the show, and yeah. I was like, I don't know, I don't know, I, I, I can't, I don't know how how that process happens. What like, process? I it's, mean, how it's like you, it's not even a process. No, I know, but like it's you, like he you went wanna, in the future. Yeah, got it together, left his body in the chair, <laughs> came back and said, "Here, yeah," and just kind of uploaded it. it. It's it's crazy. It, it, it's streaming at that point. It's just streaming. It's crazy. It's Man. crazy. It's crazy. It's offensive. <laughs> so uh, let's get back. We've been talking forty minutes already. Good. I'm, I'm loving it. We got a lot more to go over. Um, so you said freestyle, then the writing. So tell me about that Waffle House. I've been, I've been reading about that. Uh, Waffle House. That would go back to late nineties working with, you know, Patrick Murphy working with Nick Knack. When I moved back to Dallas, I told you 97, 99, I lived on Jupiter 635 and there was a Waffle House and Waffle House to me was always like being on the Amtrak, you know, or like being, I guess in Austin, kind of how they see the coffee shop. Yeah. I just saw the diner is like that's just regular American, you know, like just just regular. Technically, you know it is I mean? like the diner is an yeah. American thing. It's not high post. It's not elite. You know, you see people there that don't have all their fingers. You see, you know, regular people. You know, <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I would go there to write because I wanted to be in touch with the regular people from Garland, where I'm from. You know, just look around and be, just be inspired. With yeah, just like all in your head, and let me just put it down on paper. Yeah, yeah, just whatever, just. Just the anonymity of sipping coffee and writing your stuff, you know? And so now I live right around the corner from a Waffle House. So I mainly go in there to do teacher stuff. It's but still but for the longest, mm-hmm. so many of my joints were written at Waffle House. Or if I was in Austin and they never had a Waffle House until a certain time, uh-huh. I would go in the Star Seeds. I wrote a lot of creating hustle in Star Seeds without even having the beats yet. You know, just writing, just something about that environment. It, it just made me comfortable as a writer. Uh-huh. And now I teach writing, so it's kind of crazy because I can refer to all kinds of things, you know. <laughs> Star seating Waffle House. That's the, I, I I didn't. So wait, did you? I asked that question to to T Double and Zeely. Do you ever, um, like keep a pad next to your bed, wake up like, oh, I got to write this down. I just thought of something kind of thing, or is it more? Uh, there was a time. If you look up a song I did called Delirium, available on 7-inch vinyl, 45 RPM, that's what the song's about. <laughs> so you did that at the time. It's about waking up in the Yeah, but now there's so much technology. Mm-hmm. I can just grab a phone, an iPad, and just press record and just say it and go back to sleep. So you do, but you do have those moments is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Got All to. the time. Got to. That's just a writer. does not stop. That's what writers do. They write. What is... um. So when I go through which creating hustle, blazing saddles, sanct, um, you had a bunch of people um, locally here in Austin, either, you know, involved producing mm-hmm. or um, rapping along. I know you worked with Gary Clark Jr. Yeah. Um, was it important to you to have people from around here? Yeah, I'm just. Uh Community oriented. Like, did you know back then? Like, hey, I'm gonna make Austin like my uh, HQ or my I'm gonna be a staple here. People will know that Bavu Blake's, you know, started not well, yeah, started here. Yeah, and I'm gonna be like you said, a brick in a 
a brick in the wall and we built this foundation or was it just like it just happened that way it just happened that way and a lot of people view me the same way in dallas because most of the time i was putting in a lot of work in austin uh-huh. i was putting in a lot of work in dallas at the same time it, for me it was just manifesting like my gift you know mm-hmm. it wasn't like uh represent austin because back then there was a lot of austin cats that were bitter like you ain't from austin you still hear that sometimes yeah. you ain't from austin you know Rising and Storm ain't from Austin, you know, or whatever. But I don't care about all that. Mm -hmm. My thing, you know, I'm Rakim. It ain't where you're from. It's where you're at. Uh, You know, know, if you've been here all this time, why do you have to even, like, critique whether I'm from Austin? I must be kind of rocking, huh? I must be doing something right. Yeah, (laughs) you're tired of hearing that name, you know. That's the whole MC thing, you know, the graffiti thing, just the hip-hop thing. Uh-huh. You know, all city, you know. Yeah, you rep your town. Are you, you known? Yeah. yeah. So I, I didn't really want to be the Austin guy because I really let a lot of that critique get to me. You're <laughs> not the Austin guy. Yeah, and I'm not. I'm the Austin and Dallas guy, but I'm Bavu and I'm nice, you know, and that's what it is. And you know it. And that was it. So I was like, man, I might end up living somewhere else, you know. Uh-huh. And if I am, I got to manifest, you know. That's all I knew. But I think Austin uh, made it. It's such a manageable town, especially you know, then some say it's a little, you know, different now. Um, I, I wasn't trying to put Austin on the map. But, yeah. That's what, but, yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. No, yeah. I wasn't. That was not me. No, mm-hmm. no, no. Um, but what? I, I did just take MCing like that. Like that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to go get known and, and build your fans up and support the people that support you and la, 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 la. And I was so immersed in it. I could afford to be somewhat ubiquitous, you know, for years, until that just kind of got played out, and it was also time to uh, get married, you know, because the woman I thought would be my wife, you know, ended up being my wife. And that's when, you know, a lot of things also changed. That was seven years ago almost today. Yeah. Yeah. When you left? Uh, no, when I got married. Oh, sorry. I, about yeah. <laughs> I left, no, but that- I left uh, two years, two and a half years, really, after I got married. But so hold on. So you had, even though, I mean, you were doing your thing here, but did people... Even if you don't want to put Austin on the map, you know, you do you're doing shows, you're opening for big, big names All and the time. people yeah, I'm like, yeah. Oh, this is Bavu from Austin. Yeah, and that was cool. Uh-huh. But you know, some people had to make the distinction. Well, he grew up in Dallas. And see, it's these paradigms, you know? Yeah. Where do you represent, you know? Or where are you from? Where do you represent? It's like, you know, I like I told you when I first started, I was emulating, you know, a rapper. Well, then you have the paradigms that we have to emulate. Well, rapping is about representation, you know what I'm saying? So where are you from? Where do you really represent? But truthfully, this thing evolves so much mm-hmm. that it's not really that way over time. I mean, shoot, Zilly, Franchise, Gary Clark Jr., T-Double, Trey God, those dudes, are, they've been in Austin forever, their whole life. That's where they're from. They represent Austin. Mm-hmm. But I, it became insecurity for me because everybody's like, where are you from? You represent Dallas or you represent Austin? I'm like, why can't I represent both? And now it's like, oh, Bavu from Austin, you know what I mean? Because nobody cares about where you went to high school or whatever. Because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't do anything there. Mm-hmm. It all happened here. So in my mind, man, you should be proud. You know, it's, things happening. Look at Hump Day. Lots of Austin artists, you know, had you know success or opportunity from that. That should be all that matters. You know, right, right, right. You know, uh, but you know, nobody's like, yo, really, Vince, but- Vince Young ain't from Austin. <laughs> they're like hook them you know yeah nobody ricky williams from san diego you know no they're like hook them you know what i'm saying nope. I see what you, yeah, earl I see. campbell's not from austin he's from tyler 
Nobody says that. I see what you're saying. Ask an Austin person what they think of Earl Campbell. Man, hook him. <laughs> you know, or am I tripping? No, 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 you're not. It's just a hip hop thing. It's the yeah. It's, I mean, you got to it's always representation. I'm from yeah, Queens. Yeah, yeah. I'm from and whatever. Yeah, something I mean, like that. It's it's valid, but you know, that was always kind of the knock sometimes. And you know, eventually you just become sort of undeniable because that's the way your story's supposed to go. And then those same people just kind of have to let you be associated with Austin because you become that brick in the foundation. Right. And uh, you know, which was like you said, it wasn't voluntary. So you were you know doing your thing. Just happened that way. Yeah. So what what made you uh, go to California? The main thing is that my wife wanted to go out there and do her dissertation research. Okay. And I wanted to get away, so it was perfect. Well, were you, you you were you burnt out or what was it? I wouldn't say burnt out, but I mean I'd been here a long time, and you know I just felt like for the first decade I was here, like ninety two to oh two, maybe even the first fifteen years, mm-hmm. it was like bringing life to the party. You know, uh-huh. I'm not the life of the party. I'm bringing life to the party. I'm enhancing the party. You know what I mean? I'm making the party liver. Right. And then over time, it just felt like, you know, well, I've just been in Austin forever. You know, I don't know any different, you know. And truth be told, there is a casual effect. I call Austin the casual city. There is a casual effect that this town can have if you're not really on your P's and Q's. You see evidences of, of it all the time. Some people, you know, go all the way with slackerish. Everybody's not slackerish. Everybody's not casual. Everybody's not lazy. There's a lot of people getting amazing things done, but mm-hmm. that's the general culture of Austin uh, artistically. It's just, you know, people who are just, you know, just kind of chilling and, you know, they talk a good game and they got time to hang downtown or whatever, but they don't necessarily always reach their goals. That is true. They say Austin's harder to come up in than to uh, show up successful already, you know? People talk People talk a lot, and like, what do you, what do you got to show for it? And, and they go, well, you know, I've been on this, and I've been, I'm have been i working on it. I'm like, yeah, but you've been saying that for how long now? Yeah. I remember me and Matt Sanzala going to Houston, Music World, meeting with them. Uh-huh. And the guy we met at the time, Ira Dotson, you know, he said, well, you know, I'm sorry, man, but you're just a local yokel, you know? And I was like, mm. <laughs> We went and met with uh, Raucous, you know? Um, me and Matt and actually the place I was staying in Brooklyn I made a new friend and in exchange for staying with him we recorded Southern Man and he produced that right there in that apartment Um, and they were like but you're so laid back like you're acting more like Pharaoh Munch you know kind of weird kind of like you sure of yourself or whatever we're most deaf he was jumping all on the tables and saying you gotta sign me but this was late rockers anyway, the little comeback rockers. Mm-hmm. So I was just kind of like, whatever, man, if you don't want to do it, you know, it's your loss. I'm dope. Peace. So, you know, but were you just, were you just discouraged or what, what, what was it that made? Uh, I wasn't discouraged. I was went, just, cause here's the went, thing. Go ahead. As, as far as moving? Yeah. Okay. 2007, I get married. Right. Okay. Wife. Yes. Awesome wife. I believe it. House. Growing up, 2007, I'm like 33 years old, you know? Mm-hmm. Like a week after I'm married, I turned 33 years old, right? So I'm like, hmm, I got responsibilities. And maybe me seeing another place will give me like a fresh perspective on how to get this done. Because um, I felt like I was in a 
routine. At the time, I would not call it a rut. I would not call it a slump. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, by 06, you know, it was maybe the peak of me being celebrated in the town. You know? Yeah. That's when, uh, you know, the Emmy television. And, you know, 2008, I wasn't too burnt out. If I dropped 52 flows and played ACL Fest, mm-hmm. you know, things were happening. You know, 07, 08 was extra player. Well, you had a. 07 was what? 08 is collection. so great. You were still doing that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I dropped a flow every week. So, okay, let's go back. 99, recording product with Pat. We put that out in 2000. 2000, me and Nick Knack do listeners. 2002 is creating hustle, right? Uh-huh. Uh huh. A bunch of hydroponic sound system albums between 02 and 05. 05 is uh, Blazing, Saddles. Blazing Saddles with Baby G. 06 is Spring 06 Collection. 07 is Wood Grain Collection with Rapid Rick, not to mention all the What It Do family stuff we were doing all the time and all this stuff. And these shows are all over the state. And the stuff with Mojo, you know, happening through San Antonio and getting them off the ground. And me and D Madness, you know, running around and doing all this kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. 08, Extra Player, you know. And I'd been on like three or four Strange Fruit Project albums in a row and people hearing that. And, you know, we did some spot dates here and there or whatever. But very consistently doing so much, man. Like on my uh, discography, there's 16 vinyl records, you know. Mm -hmm. So I'm beating, 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 beating the pavement, you know, just to keep things popping. I'm excited about it. But when I see this new level of responsibility where it's not just my body I'm responsible for, now I got two bodies with two minds, you know. Yeah, and that's when it's like, mm, you know, my wife is helping me to see. And I don't mean this in any, like, negative way. But she's helping me to see, you know, a bigger picture just in terms of, okay, what are you going to do? You know? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And um, that's pretty much why we moved. It. The I, th- I would say the main part is for her dissertation research. She wanted to do that out there. Yeah, but. But I could have not done it, you yeah. know? But while you were there. It you was still great. Do- but you were still doing music or no? At first. At first, and then you just... I got there, I started recording, and there were two other things I was really interested in, which is voiceovers, which is a pretty cool place to get on in that respect, and then also just straight-up songwriting, because by then, somewhere in between, somewhere after Creating Hustle, I started writing really good songs, in my humble opinion. Um, I can write great songs and I don't just write hip hop songs anymore like I write songs right Mm -hmm. I got out there and was able to get in the studio with people that are you know winning awards and doing major 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 work you know I'm sitting in the studio you know with the dude who wrote The Boy Is Mine for Brandy and Monica you know and I'm like wow this is real you know and got pregnant right after we recorded Sanct in early 2011 which is about roughly a year after I got uh, to California, uh-huh. got back and took a pregnancy test the morning after I got back and we were pregnant. After that, my concern with all that other, you know, it was like, what am I going to do? <laughs> Put that ego aside. Let me figure this shit out. What am I going to yeah. do? I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to teach out there, but it's LA USD. LA is, I mean, California as far as teaching, working for the state, essentially, uh-huh. yeah, it wasn't looking so great, you know. Wait, so you already knew you were going to do the education, the teaching I wanted before to, you left? I wanted to do it out there, you know. And when I you got just, there is when you're like, okay, now I'm a, you know, I'm doing music a little bit, but yeah. teaching is what I, ultimately what I want to do. Yeah, I thought so. And then I had uh, 
some things that discouraged me at the time. And I got back here and I worked a couple of like not dope jobs. And I felt that gravity kind of pulling on me like, oh, come do a show, come do that. And I was like, this place does not feel the same. It does not fit the same in this new situation, having a wife and a child. Now I got three bodies with three minds, Uh right? That's when you came back. Yeah. When I got back, it did not fit the same. Well, how was was Austin different too since you left? Uh, I had that overstuffed small country college town uh, posing as metropolitan city feel. And it wasn't familiar to me. And there was all kinds of new stuff that I just didn't know about. And I, once I got back, three bodies, three minds, I don't have time to kick it, you know, like I used to. Yeah. I still tried, you know, but it always just kind of ruined my week because I would have that tired day, <laughs> you know, where I don't really want to participate. And sometimes you got to have a tired day. Yeah, we all do. But I don't know, man. Just uh, did, 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 for lack of a better description, go hang out at Flamingo, support your boys and. You know, it's kind of an anticlimactic night, but you feel like that's your duty, your obligation. Yeah. I was like, I got to take all this experience, get a return on my investment, and feel a strong sense of purpose. Or I'm going to feel guilty every time I go out because I'm just kicking it. Yeah, but you had the, when you started work, when you were working on Saint, Reggie pulled you back. Yeah, but I was living in California when we did Saint. Yeah, but when you came back, you it was out, then you were out, you know, promoting it and everything. Yeah. I was. So you was so you. I mean, like you said, it was an obligation to be out there yeah. and you know reach out. Yeah, Did I mean, you feel like you were able to reconnect with a bunch of people? Or was absolutely. It like, the yeah. dopest thing that happened after I got back was that Most Def show. Yeah, the um, that was all I need to do. Chris Proper, man. Yeah, yeah we talked about. Well, I had him on the show. We talked about that show, man. That's right. Yeah, I That's heard right. that. I was very flattered by what yes. y'all said too. Yes, that was a dope. He show. was like Most Def. You got to have Bavu, and I was like, you do. <laughs> But I killed that show. Yes. I killed that show. Yes. It was awesome, man. And I was working closely with Crew 54 on that show. But um Yeah, it was you, Crew 54, Rise Against the Storm. Kid Jones. Yeah, Kid Jones. I killed that show. And um that was all it took, you know. And you had the bug again? And no. No. You just like huh? I had the I need to do stuff that's either special. Because I have a presentation in mind of when I do shows, what I want it to be like, and I'm not there yet in terms of being able to facilitate it yet. So I'm like, okay, at least until then, if I do a show, it needs to have a greater purpose to it. So I, I still do the MLK shows that we started doing when I was out of town. Right. You know, with uh, Teresa Funk, Rajkin Storm, yeah. and whoever else. They, I still do that every year faithfully. And like last Friday's show, I did that show because I know that substantial – and uh, Marcel, yeah, they're youth advocates by day, and I know they're on the road, but it gets deeper. Substantial's from D.C. Yeah, I was born in D.C. Uh, Marcel P. Black lives in Baton Rouge, like right up the street from my parents' neighborhood where they grew up, and they're both youth advocates. And I'm a youth advocate by day, so I'm like, now that I can go and feel good about from a sense of purpose. Mm-hmm. I can feel great about it. And I did. It ended up being a really special night. Oh, it was good. Yeah, it was a it great was night. Good. And there was hard, there, it was a small crowd, it technically. Yeah, it but was. But it didn't feel like it because everybody had a purpose. So that's what I'm saying. Now I got to have a purpose. Like this coming Friday, rocking with Third Root. Yeah. 
Fist Out Fellowship. That's purpose. Like, like Easy and Marco are my brothers. We're all scholar MCs. We're all educators and MCs. We have a much higher purpose that we connect on. I can feel good about that. But if it's just like, yo, man, we got this show popping, you know, it's it's going to be you and it's going to be A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. You know what I'm saying? We'll get you on about 11.15 and then I get there and I'm on at like 12.45. <laughs> you know those happen a lot. And all of that mess. Forget that. Yeah. No. So what, no. Is, what is it about? Never. Please don't. Ross Day, special. Yes. Special. You on the that weird festival too? No, I Not mean yet? Pete text texting me about it right now, but I don't have any plans yet to be on it. Oh, okay, yeah. But um, but that whole sense of uh, oh, one more thing. Go ahead. The main thing I've been doing since I got back is working with uh, Red Bull. Really? Yeah, there was one South by Southwest right shortly after I got back. Mm-hmm. I worked for about twelve hours for them in all. Hosting their South by Southwest shows. Not this past year, but the year before. Mm-hmm. So then I started hosting shows for them like every month or two. And, you know, I think the last one I did was at the parish. Latasha Lee yeah. suffers, you know, but probably every, seems like on an average, probably every two, three months, I host a show for them. That feels like purpose because I get my Allstate Man dream. I'm not rapping. And I can really like try to give these artists the best intro, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and it connects me to the music. But it's professional. It's like you know? a, it's like being a newscaster all over. Just yes, about yes, and and the contracts are appropriate. You know, mm-hmm. the business is appropriate for what it is, and it just puts me in a different light. So I don't feel like, you know, Flamingo Cantina. My first time performing there was twenty years ago. Twenty years ago. Uh, don't say that. I'm old. <laughs> Flamingo Cantina. Yeah. Me, you know, my friends from UT are coming to see me at Flamingo Cantina 20 years ago. So if I don't have a accelerated sense of purpose, I can't be stepping in there just, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it so, just makes me feel guilty because I, I mean, have three I, bodies and three minds. I understand. So when did the whole education sense of purpose really happen? Like, how how did that happen? When I got back, yeah, man, I'm I'm sharing a lot. By the way. Yeah, I know. This is good. <laughs> this is good. Look, I'm barely talking. You do the talking. I'm it's we're talking for over an hour. This is well, good. Well, you know me, man. Yeah, I, I have know. a great, great, great appreciation for the art of an interview. Yes. And if it's good, like shout out to Nick Cremona, a young man that interviewed me for that uh, narratively. It's like this long form journalism magazine based on, you know, based in New York. It's normally about New Yorkers. And somehow I did this piece with this lady named Anna Maria and uh, Nick was the writer. And this dude was like half my age and the interview was so compelling. But it's like ever since seventh grade, which I teach seventh grade mm-hmm. all the way to now, that's one thing that's been very consistent is I've always been involved in the art of interviewing. Even when I said, oh, I'm throwing my journalism career in the dumps, I still always did interviews. So there's a fine art to it because it's it it's a it's a sharing of views. So yeah, you're throwing me softballs, yeah, and you ask me to smash them, and I'm doing my best to smash them out the park. But at the end of the day, it's an interview, so it's allowing me to process, and I always walk away from these processes being able to see much clearer. You know, there's I'm always t- things that come out that you never thought about before. Like I'm learning a lot, and I'm trying to get yeah, you me too. To, just, uh, you know. You do the talking. As long as I can ask the right question so you can talk, I'm good. Now, I forgot the last question. The question was about how did the whole education and 
You didn't forget the lesson. Of course not. The art of interviewing, man. <laughs> <laughs> How did it come about? Yeah, I mean, you had the son. You were yeah. like, okay, so now I'm going to. I've always had an educator spirit. I wanted to do it in California. Mm-hmm. I've always been, you know, kind of that, you know, uh, knowledge or preacher or Your name is Bavu. broadcaster it, it type rapper like a, it guy. It sounds like a yeah. preacher. Minister yeah. Blake's came sure. around and all that. Absolutely. So I had been discouraged when I originally wanted to go out to California and try it. When I got back here and I worked a couple of jobs, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. I got a taste of that, like uh, the Red Bull thing, which was, I guess, was March of was 2013. Yeah. I had just bounced through a couple of temp jobs that were just not appropriate for my life, you know, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I knew better than to like go start hump day again and try to live off that. You know what I'm saying? At age. We're talking 2013, so that's like 38. Transitioning to 39, I'll be 40 September 6th, like next Saturday. Um, so I don't know. I'd been discouraged, like I said, and my mom said, "Why? Why aren't you teaching?" I think my mom told my wife. My wife told me, and I was like, "That's what I wanted to do." And I went and took my first content exam June 8th of 2013. Mm-hmm. And as of this week, as I turn 40 next week, I'm a fully certified teacher to teach eighth grade and under all subjects in the state of Texas. So now it's time to finally take that GRE and apply for that master's just in case I want to be principal or assistant principal or something. I don't. Yeah. But when you have three bodies and three minds, those are the kind of mistakes you want to make. Oops. I'm qualified to be a principal, but I don't think I really want to be one. Instead of making mistakes the other way, like I didn't do enough, I'm trying to like do too much and to make up for past transgressions because I've <laughs> thrown whole careers away. Yeah, but I mean, it so, was uh, it all. I'm trying mean, to get right, bro. I think things happen for a reason. They and do, you're, and you're the, you're here for you're here for a reason. So now you can look back and say, well. You know, the move to California, the throwing away the journalism, like you wouldn't be where you are today. I mean, you don't know. But I agree. I'm, I, I, I totally um, understand that and actually and believe in that. It's true. I really do. But I still have a little bit of just chip on my shoulder. Like what if, what if, what if? Just a little chip on my shoulder. It's not even the what if, what if. Let's just talk about what is. Uh-huh. And this may sound crazy to some, but this is real. From the time I was in the womb, just based on who my parents are, just based on everything, right? I've always been, like, extremely gifted in certain aspects, right? Extremely gifted, you know? Mm-hmm. I could have been a Stuart Scott-type dude or whatever and, and doing a music career at the same time, you know? Or just multiple gifts, the ability to write, the ability to speak, the ability, you know, Different abilities, musical abilities, all kinds of abilities, you know? I, I just feel like if I've learned one lesson in life, mm-hmm. it's to use all those gifts. Is that so- You don't get to pick one and throw the rest away. Right. Is that something that you, you teach your seventh graders? What? All the time? Especially the rappers that I work with after school. You're not just a rapper. You know, I talk to their moms, dads. Please, he's not just a rapper. 
if there's anything that me giving your kid everything he wants in terms of getting to make his beats and write his raps and perform in front of, you know, Urban Music Festival and cafeteria school, whatever, whatever, whatever. If there's one thing y'all will listen to me about uh-huh. after putting your kid at the center of the universe and making all these things happen, these dreams, you know, that we didn't have this opportunity at this age. Now everybody can just pour all this stuff into you. Yeah. Just believe me when I say he's not just a rapper. There's no such thing. Show me one example ever. Can't think of one. Show me a great just a rapper. A great just a rapper? Nas tried, sort of. What's he doing now? Everything. Documentaries. Everything. Yeah. Mass Appeal, record label, magazine, everything, mentor, everything. Trying to think. I can't. I honestly can't think of someone who's who just does that. Who's a great just a rapper? Riff raff. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it raps. <laughs> hmm. Oh, you so, have to think about that one. <laughs> but nah, man. Like you know. No, no, but I, I see. I see what you're saying. Like there's, you know, you come up with. So it's not guilt, you know. It's not. I'm, what? I'm listening. No, you said I come up with what? No, I mean you. You come up. Everybody has something special about them, and you want to tap into that. Yeah. Growing up. Yeah. And then the key is just figuring out what that is. Yeah. Don't. Don't. You know. Don't. Well, don't stick box to one yourself thing. in. You can stick to one thing if there's only one thing that you feel like you're, you know, especially gifted at. Yeah. True. But let's say you're especially gifted at three or four things. People always tell you, well, "What do you want to do exactly? What's your <laughs> one thing?" And I think slowly but surely, on some level, I bought into that. Mm-hmm. And now, lo and behold, it comes all the way full circle to hip hop grew up, where it's not going to be one thing. So let, then that's a great segue. Let's get into the hip hop. Doesn't grew up have thing. to be one thing. So, what is the, if you were to pitch me, hip hop grew up, the mission? Yeah. Go ahead. Hip hop grew up. Yes. Is the source of how the original hip hop generation leverages its resources for today's generation. Period. Sold. So now, concretely speaking, mm-hmm. what happens? It's a seminar, it's a program, get a bunch of kids together. Oh, uh, there are some book ideas on the table. Mm-hmm. With some highly esteemed scholars where I'm super humbled, like, that's what you want to do? Whoa. You know? Um, there is a plan for me um, to be qualified um, to do research, like on a doctoral level. Oh. Um, where that research will be published. And that research would be about how the original hip-hop generation leverages its resources for today's generation. There's a whole bunch of examples of this. Even down to what I do every day, you know, teaching. Yeah. Um, but that's not an established area of knowledge. Nobody else does that. It's not an established area of knowledge. How the original hip hop generation leverages resources for today's generation. Right? Uh huh. That should be a thing that people look at. Because what happens when you're a hip hop artist or a hip hop participant, right? Mm hmm. Let's say you're a rapper, DJ, whatever, like, you know, and you get to a certain age and a certain responsibility level, 
and you feel like you have to just cut it off. Like Baby G, nurse. Yeah, <laughs> good example. He DJs weddings and stuff with Boogie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you get to that point where you're just like, man, I'm staying up late. I ain't making no money. You know, it's like you start to resent something that you were so passionate about because you never find a way to turn this obsessive passion into a harmonious passion, which is rooted in purpose. Uh Well, what is the most important purpose of a grown up? Pass it on to the next. Boom. So there's a disconnect where hip hoppers feel like they got to disown that. Or the people where it's like, man, you 55, you still out on the scene like that, man? Come on, dog. Come on, dog. When's the last time you saw your child, man? You know? Yeah. But it seems like it's always one of two extremes. I'm done or I don't care what y'all say I represent. And I know there's other narratives. Yeah. But where are they? So how, They exist in isolation. So how do you see with all the... And then hip-hop grew up has something that, a mission that it needs to achieve for Austin as well. How so? A centralized resource center where kids who need to get that training in MC and in DJ and in engineering and all those things mm-hmm. can go to a place and not pay money and get that training in one place. Because normally you have like six weeks over here, a semester over here, this school, that school, this sponsor, that sponsor, this program. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah there was yeah. one time in my school where in the spring semester you could go over there and write your raps. And There's at least 500 kids in this area who want training in those types of areas. Well, Dub Academy is doing. Uh, Dub Academy is, is doing, doing it. DJ, yeah, yeah, you got five hundred bucks. Well, I think it turned into a nonprofit. But does that mean they don't charge for DJing? I don't think. I don't know. I don't really know how it works. Really. I don't know either. And Lori, I, I, I need I to call have, Lori back. Actually, actually, Lori is going to be on the show next week. Lori and Benzo will be on the show next week. I've been calling Lori back for like five days because it's the new school year. So I'm tripping. She's probably going to hear this, Lori. Yes. I'm so sorry, <laughs> but I get out of school and I go straight to Back's house. <laughs> She probably thinks I'm like crazy or like freaky nah, or nothing nah, like that. Nah, nah, but nah, she nah. she's interested, you know, we're, we're talking about some stuff. But anyway, um, no, I'm very aware of what Dub Academy does. Mm-hmm. And there's many things about their business model that can be useful. And they are even an example of the type of thing that hip-hop grew up can document. I know they've become nonprofit, but does that mean they don't charge for their services? Because what I'm talking about is like, you know, at least the low-income, high-potential children can oh, just conf- okay. at least. Uh-huh. But really anybody, but at least those people can just converge on this place, get that training, get that inspiration, get that education that comes with it. Well, Tito Bull is doing his... He's doing one of those isolated programs, yes. like me, like Jules, like this person, like that person, like Teresa Funk. Like Everybody's done an isolated program. And I go and talk to these different people. Mm-hmm. I've had meetings with T-Double and many other people who do isolated programs. And we all agree that there's a need. So it's about building a committee or a coalition and making it happen. And I don't know how long it'll take, but in my mind, that's a transition from, uh, you know, public education, like what I'm doing now, to higher education. But we'll see. That's just a plan. That uh, you know, no, I, Still, I, I mean, I think it's a... But that mission yeah. is, is absolutely concrete. Like, I got to see that get done. Wait, so since you started Hip Hop Grew Up, have you had quote-unquote students that you, you know, you show, you pass on to, that you pass knowledge on to? Absolutely. On a regular basis? On a regular basis. Saw some today. What'd you do? What did I do? Yeah. Asked them about their summer, you know. There's this one student 
who. Oh, in your school? Yeah. Oh, okay. My bad. Worked with him. And this is just one, but I worked with him. We mm-hmm. got him some material together. He was performing. He performed in Sonya Moore's set with a live band with the great musicians. And he's the last thing you hear on the mic spitting, rapping right before SWV set. And then this summer, he got training in many areas, including beat production and recording um, and songwriting uh, with Marcel Andre. I don't know if you know him and uh, Ray, Ray Carter, two great producers in the area who also have that interest. So I'm just trying to build the coalition of people, the committee of people who money or no money, they're going to have a hand in something. Man, I wish I, I wish I had you as a teacher when I was a kid. No doubt. <laughs> Seriously. What's crazy is when they first came to work with my kids, they didn't want anything for it. They just wanted to work with some kids. They read that Narratively article. They wanted to do something. I got emails from, like, these really cool people that, like, we want to work with the kids. They came in there and killed it, man. And the first kit they loaded up was an S1 kit. I was like. What's an S1 kit? Symbolic One sells his oh, sounds Oh, now. my bad. And That's I'm like, do you know one. who that is? Because <laughs> I do. Like, I know him. And they were like, okay. And then the second kit they loaded up was an Ill Mind kit. I was like. Are you, are you serious? Ill Mind's one of my favorite producers. Yeah. We, yeah. We used to work. Damn, Ill Mind, <laughs> man. I don't, uh, I don't think I ever met him. But the way they used to I do met it. Him like, one, I met him one time. At uh, South Southwest two years ago, there was a producer showcase. Yeah, well, I know I've met him at least once, but it was him, Knotts, and mm-hmm. Static Selector, and some other dude. Yeah, and what they would do is like S One would record you on a song, mm-hmm. and then he send the whole song to Ill Mind and Remix. They did that so many times. Man. I don't know if that was a plan or what, but like you record on an Ill Mind song, and then S One would remix, and that's the way it would come out. You know, stuff like that. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. Wait. So. Um, oh, and the S One thing. So while I'm in California. Okay, here we go. <laughs> right? Go ahead. I S- got to hear this story. S1 starts telling us, okay, before I leave, I'm working on this second album. S1 is basically the executive producer. He's producing most of the songs. You know, like we have a joint with Merce on it. Yeah. Right? Um, I did some stuff with Charlie Boy on it. It's not really about the features. I'm just trying to paint a picture here. Okay. Up-tempo joints, slow joints. This album's tentatively titled Too Selfish, right? He's producing 75% of the album, right? I'm in California. We get to the point where he's like, yo, send me everything. I want to mix it, right? But at the same time, he's telling me about how he's about to have this comeback single for this Chicago artist. Name? Named Power. Never heard. Ah. Uh, Never heard of Power. Ah. Uh, oh. Okay. That's Kanye shit. That's his track. I didn't know. I didn't know. Honestly, I didn't know who Power was. Seriously. They're looking at me like I'm crazy. So, he's telling me about how this is going to happen. This It's not out. Yeah. So, basically, he's got the project. He's like, yo. I'm gonna start mixing this in a week or two with you, you know. Uh, you know, I think I'm gonna sign with Kanye. Long story short, that power comes out. He signs with Kanye for production, he signs with Jay Z for publishing. And then you got the Kanye joint, the Beyonce joint, 
the Eminem and 50 Cent joint uh, with Adam Levine, you know, uh-huh. on and on and on and on and on. And uh, let's just say. <laughs> You're supposed to be on that? <laughs> no, I'm not supposed to be on any of that. But I'm just saying that that album I was talking about, uh-huh. what album? <laughs> you know. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that happened, you know. And, you know, at first that was a little hard to accept. But realistically, do I understand? Yeah. yeah. You, you would have yeah. done the same thing, huh? Me, no. You but, wouldn't? But maybe that's why I'm such a gateway drug and not, like, the highest level of, you know, I'm not I'm not the, uh, the I'm the gateway drug, you know? You're the brick on the, the, brick on the foundation. Yeah, I'm the gateway drug. Gary <laughs> Clark Jr., is that the same Gary Clark? Yeah. S1, is that the same? Yeah. <laughs> or even regionally. Is that your boy, Charlie? Boy, I look good. Yeah. Yeah, same guy. Yeah. Man. You know. Or that Bavu joint you're talking about. You yeah. Know? That's Adrian Quesada, his co-producer of that record. The B.A.H. Yeah. V.O. Yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> That's twelve years ago. I mean, we still have a relationship. Don't yeah, yeah, wrong. I know, I know. But I'm, but I I'm just saying, gateway drug, like, you know, Paul Wall before the chick magnet comes out. You know, play the role remix. You know, yeah. And there's a lot of people I work with who are not like superstars and all of that. But you know, just it just seems like, you know, it'll have my dad or mom. Like, so, can you call Gary Clark Jr.? Like, can y'all still work? Like, you know, now that he or you know. When last time you talked to S1, you know, and I'm just like, leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a gateway drug. <laughs> I do my thing and and I'm done. Man. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gateway drug. Yeah, I'm just a school teacher, though. Yeah. <laughs> I teach kids. What do you want from me? Uh, just... yeah, <laughs> Call them yourself. <laughs> I don't know. It's the same with Tweet. You never know. Right. Uh, let's go back to the uh, the hip hip hop grew up thing, yeah. So we specialize in long interview. Now nah, just playing. Oh, it's fine. It's been an hour twenty five. <laughs> an hour and twenty five. Yep. Since the first thirty, or an hour twenty five total. Total. Oh, we're good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Seems like we've been in here for four hours. Like I said, this is this is uh, uh, it's going to be a long one. <laughs> I told you it was going to be a long one. Um, so with, with all the the the, I mean, you went to California, came back. Mm-hmm. And then now everything everything's different, you know. Social media is everywhere. Yeah. And you're trying to trying to teach these kids, so you're trying to pass on. You said what the I want to quote you right. Pass on the resources from the older generation to the newer generation. I'm just leveraging my resources. Le- what I have. Okay. What you have. For them. So. And in my case, it's a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. You know. Do you feel like with the technology and the the Pandora's, the Spotify, the Shazam, do you feel like you fit right in and you have to, or do you have to keep up with all that stuff? Because it was, I mean, it was harder back then, like you said, you had to go in someone's yeah. house, you yeah. know, put in the tape, record. You always got to keep up. Yeah. I mean, you know, I remember recording on ADATs. Oh, shit. You, you had to have like the, uh, I guess it was essentially like a, V- VCR tape that you put in that ADAT machine. Mm-hmm. I remember mini discs. You know, a lot of those hump day recordings are on mini disc. I recorded the recording sessions of uh, Creating Hustle album on film and mini DV. 
you know DV. you gotta you gotta keep it rolling yeah yeah, yeah yeah and now you know the mp3 is nearly passe yeah I'm not like about that's it. about to go out of style Every, everything's streaming in the cloud yeah the cloud too well from the cloud yeah that's streaming the cloud it's just in the air there's so much information in the cloud. Can we just walk through all this information? Like it's in the cloud. It's going in between all this stuff. Is that okay? I have to wrap my head around the whole cloud concept. Even though I'm in computers, I haven't really like touched that kind of stuff yet because I don't do, um, uh, what's it called? I don't do a lot of streaming really. Yeah. But you're going I, to. Yeah, I am. I am. Master podcast. I have to. I stream your stuff. Well, okay, that's iTunes. That's iTunes. I don't do it on iTunes. I just download the track, or I normally just play it, just stream it from just the website. Straight bandwidth, yeah. Oh yeah, that's from the Libsyn host and all that. But I'm saying all this stuff in the cloud, right? Uh-huh. Auto backups, streaming, uh, MacBooks with no disk drive. Is it okay for all this stuff to be just clouding? Like, does that affect the atmosphere? Does that affect us, like health wise or mint? Do you know what I mean? Is there no Osmosis, osmotic effect to no. just clouds and clouds and clouds. There's there's no physical nothing. I can't answer that. The I only, wonder. The, the only thing that all that the Wi Fi everywhere, none of that. You know, how they say, oh, cell phone will give you cancer. Yeah, if, if 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 it if it's in your pocket for too long, or if it, you see that. What's that? the difference between the cell phone in your pocket too long or up to your ear too long, and just Google's and Google's of, <laughs> of cloud stuff. What do you call that stuff? Data in the well, cloud. Doesn't that travel just like cell phones? What's the difference? No, but what bothers me more is that all that information is out there and accessible at any time. And yeah. people feel compelled to, you, you're basically bombarded with that information all the time now. Yeah. So in the same way, if you're trying to get a kid to, try to get a kid to focus and say, hey, sit down and then let's write a song together. And try to take them away from all that data, all that information that's out there yeah. for more than five minutes. It's a hard job to do. Yeah, I get on the kids. Sometimes we're working after school, and uh, they're all on the cell phones. Exactly. Um, but that's pretty easy to fix. Right, take it away? Yeah, I mean, don't even take it away. It's just, you know, no cell phones. And, you know, if you got something they really want. Yeah. You're gonna turn the cell phone but on. I mean, we're, we're living we're living in a gen, in an era now where if you don't keep putting out material, yeah, people will forget your ass quickly, right? Unless people, you're a legacy artist, like yes, Shade or somebody, right? So yeah. if um, people are quick to move on to the next thing, yeah. whatever's hot, Taylor Swift, Lady Gaga, yeah. Well, I say Lady. Was Gaga. that Iggy, Easy, Iggy? Iggyzilla, what I forgot her I'm name. saying Lady Gaga, she took kind of a little break sort of thing, and then her music didn't come back as potent, right? Because she's not a big deal like she was like three years ago. No, just whatever she wears. Well, what What about Iggy? She, Iggy. She came, she came out of nowhere, and she guys going to have to keep cranking those things out, or she, they're going to forget her. Iggy. Yeah. It's well, she's got a modeling deal. Of course. Of course she does. She was discovered in Houston and Atlanta people. Uh, I don't know. She's special. She might be able to wait. We'll see. We'll see. But I mean, I mean, there's so many that just come in and come out, and then even though they had something, but because people are just ready to move on to the next thing, it's like, yeah. So what about Jay Electronica? Yeah, but you still, he's still putting out stuff. Like what? Wait, has he? I'm trying to think. 
one song or so in the last well, like, two, three, four years? Ex- exhibit A was the one <laughs> that like I got five on. Five years ago. Yeah, I know, but I'm trying to think. No albums, no projects. Iggy. Really? I'm trying to think. Jay Electronica. Yeah, I know. He hadn't even signed the Rock Nation for like three or four years. I didn't really keep up. That example when, right did there. He ha- when did he have a Mountain Dew Red commercial? A what? Mountain Dew Red. You don't remember that commercial? Uh-uh. When he first signed with Rock Nation? Uh-uh. My point is, he defies the logic that we speak of because he ain't consistently dropping nothing. Yeah, but I mean. People I, wait for him. Yes, but that's that's far and few. Most people, most people, if you want to make it up there yeah. and then be able to branch out and do other things, you have to keep, you have to, st- have to stay relevant. Yeah. You just have to. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. He's the exception to the rule. He's special. Yeah. So let's talk about your uh, Summer Saturday songs. Mm-hmm. What was the, the whole concept behind it? Uh, the concept is that's the kind of music that I want to make forever. Just that. I release it in the summers. Mm-hmm. I have a, instead of boxing myself in, like I told you, where I throw everything else to the side and do music, mm-hmm. I'm just boxing in the music I want to do. And the music I want to do is the multi-generational summer Saturday music that you play at the family reunion and the barbecue and the lake. And, you know, it's the the CD or the artist you know you grab when you got your kids or your mom or your grandmother around, you know what I mean, birthday parties. Like, I'm just going to make that kind of music up-tempo. Like really positive. Oh, over and over I mean, what, and ho- over and over and over again. And I've already got, you know, probably 10 more of them kind of sketched out or at least have the music, the hooks, uh-huh. you know. And it's just a matter of whenever I can get to it. Like if Bavu Blakes is dropping a Bavu Blakes record, that's what it's going to be like over and over and over and over and over. Yeah, I know it was, it was really different. It's like, hey, here's, here's, my, here's my Saturday. Yeah. Homemade biscuits, fresh yeah. fruit and eggs, and cut this, grass, get the car wash. Now, you asked me what I did on Saturday. Yeah. Just that? <laughs> well, we had pancakes with fruit. We didn't have homemade biscuits. <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> we had pancakes instead with eggs, you know. Guess what me and my son did on Saturday when I woke up? I don't know. We got to tell me. We went and got a haircut. That's in a song? It is. <laughs> <laughs> it is. No, but I mean, it's... it's um... Is that is that is that catching on? Is that something or people are like, oh, that's not the Bavu? People love it. I mean, I like it. I don't I think really it like sounds. I don't think it sounds like a different person by any stretch of the imagination. Well, well I mean, you know, it, it, the fact that it's um tempo, it's like, hey, here's my day kind of thing. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was kind of after listening to Eddie Long and all the other stuff that was like there was a uh, what's the word? Maybe more gravitas. Is that a word? Yeah. Mm. More, I don't want to say substance because that's too strong of a word. Definitely. Yes. Um, Heavy? Yes. Don't roll your eyes. I'm rolling my eyes because, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think that sounds like something that's any better than what Summer Saturday songs is, you know? Uh huh. Like, Southern Man is heavy. 
Mm-hmm. That's probably one of my best records, easily. Uh, Play the Role is heavy. It's probably one of my best records, easily, you know? Uh-huh. Um, but most of the people that I interact with at this point in life, you know, we, we can do World Trade for, you know, heavier, for sure. Mm-hmm. I'll do other projects, you know, with people, I guess. But what I want to make as far as Bavu Blake's, how you doing, man? What you been up to? So I'm just saying, that's what I've been up to. I, I I had 12 of those in a row all summer. Other than that, I'm teaching. And I'll make summer Saturday songs about that, you know? Yeah. I got a song that's a summer Saturday song. It's called, well, I don't know what it's called, but the hook is, I got one wife, one kid, and 100 other people kids. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, that's dope. I like it. Yeah, I got one life I live, plus I want to see my people live. Like, that's actually heavy, too, as far as yeah, I'm it concerned. Is. No, no, okay, I, I'm with it, that. Yeah, anybody who thinks so, having three bodies with three minds and having a fun Saturday isn't heavy, <laughs> you know, there'll be other songs that kind of, you know, show it from different angles, per se. Mm-hmm. But that's what, you know, that's the way I want to typecast myself forever and ever and ever. Because... There's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world, right? Yeah. That's like my middle finger to that. You know? Yeah. It's kind of like whatever adversity or, for example, when I jog and the run gets tough, I start smiling. It's not logical, Mm -hmm. but to me it's just kind of a sarcastic, you know, sort of middle finger to that fatigue. (laughs) Ha ha. I'm glad to do this. You know, a big theme in my life is endurance. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's what it looks like, you know, Saturday in, Saturday out. I'm daddy, I'm husband, let's kick it, let's swim, let's do whatever we're going to do. Let's get things done to the best of our ability. And, you know, the one part I think, there's two parts of that song, Summer Saturday Songs. And that's just the theme song of the genre that I want to release forever and ever. Yeah. that first song, Summer Saturday Songs. But there's two parts of it that I think people don't catch. One part says, uh, I, uh, you know, the parts you're saying about the food, and I say, well, I'm going to head upstairs and have a emotional flare-up. Nobody really catches that part. Not but it. what I'm talking about right there is I go upstairs and I have to have a moment because I feel really blessed to make it to 40 and have a great wife and a great kid. Uh-huh. You know? That could easily not be the case. Like, I'm super thankful for that, and I feel like, why me? Like, how did I get that, you know? Mm-hmm. Based on, you know, and there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of things that go with that, but it's just, I don't know. Does that make sense? I mean, no, no, no. Honestly, I did not catch that at all. Yeah. And there's another part, uh, even with all the ills of our nation, I could still feel full appreciation playing one of these. You know, I ain't even tripping off a humid summer breeze, like whatever blows my way that could burn me up, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a metaphor for Texas summer, sure. But it's just kind of like, you know, that's what the song's really about, you know? Happy to be human, mentally at ease, knowing life ain't easy, ready to fight like I know the world needs me. Like, there's more to it than just happy, happy, joy, joy. I, well, but, but why complicate it, you know? No, no, that's fine. So I... I yeah. um. I commend everybody to listen, not just listen to it once or twice, just listen to it over and over, and it will it will sink in. And also, I guess I could have said this when you first asked and just wrapped it up, but That's I, I consider it to be very high-level songwriting. If it can sound smooth and easy and not heavy, but I'm knowing that 
the vibe and the spirit of it is the exact same guy. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, how many of your favorite MCs make music that you would play around your grandma? That is true. I can't go up and say, we can't claim nothing to fuck with. Right. <laughs> and really spitting, because it's not like I'm not really spitting on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, really. So I don't know. I just, to me, that's. No, I mean, I mean it, it, it's, it's, it's good to see, you know, you're at that point in your life and you're at peace, I guess. Mm. And you're like, hey, you know, I've I've accomplished this. I got I got my family. I'm thankful. Yeah, I mean that that's that's the presentation of it. But like I said, there's many more ingredients in there. Right, right. Of course, it's just not like, all right, stop everything. Let me tell you about what's going on in the world, son. La la la. la. I mean, <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Because what what your girl say about you know conscious rap? You gotta, yeah, yeah. It's, you gotta flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's 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 you gotta, you let's gotta get be to nice. That. You gotta be nice. So if y'all didn't see, there was a post that DJ Notion uh, yeah. put up on Facebook, and I'll give you the quote exactly as he posted it. He said he read a recent interview where this very outspoken person in the Austin music industry said the following statement: Leah Manners. What? Leah Manners. I don't know who that is. That's who he's talking about. All yeah, you, but I, I didn't know who that was. He never named you, her. All you do is copy the quote and Google it, and then it gives you the whole article. Oh, well, I didn't. <laughs> sorry. I know I didn't know what he was talking about, but I like, I like the quote. Yeah. People don't give a shit about conscious rap anymore. I think it's done. It sounds cheesy and too earnest. People are over it. They just want good rap, and whether that comes with a positive message or a negative message is irrelevant. And the whole conversation, the whole yeah. thread went on and on about that. I think the beginning of the quote sounds really abrasive, but he also cuts it off. So you may want to copy that quote and Google it and see the whole paragraph of what she said. Yes. I feel like she kind of. What I mean is that. What's the last part of what you just read? Uh, they just want good rap and whether it comes with a positive or negative message is irrelevant. And then later on, I, I actually pasted the rest of what she said in the same paragraph. Uh, I'll have to pull that up. Though. Yeah, but she went on to say, basically, you got to be dope. I mean, I think at the beginning, you know, it's kind of it sounds harsh or whatever, but, I mean, if that's the case, you know, why does she play Third Root and Summer Saturday songs? Why is she playing the music that hip-hop grew up putting out? Mm-hmm. Like, all of it. Every single project we drop. Well, I mean, I don't know. We're clearly conscious rap. You talk, you're we talking just, about, yeah, Third Root and what you guys do. Third Root yeah, and Babu yeah. Blakes. That's the only two things hip-hop grew up does musically, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, why would she play every release? Because it's jamming. Yeah, but I mean, the, the people took offense to the fact that, okay, well, she's not supporting conscious hip-hop. There's all these but other she artists. Is. Yeah, I know she is. Yeah. But I think that, as far as I'm concerned, yeah. I think that, um, I believe that's something for everybody. Yeah. And whatever you're into, is someone else out, out there do that yeah. that does that? So just support that. If you're into conscious, do conscious. If you're into, you know, whatever, I don't want bling and all that other stuff. And twap. Is that what it's called? Twap. Isn't that real hot now? Twap. Is it twap or trap? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm a fud over there. <laughs> I thought it was called twap. I thought I think it's trap. Oh, okay. C R A P. At least that's how I heard it. Oh, okay. Okay, it's t- sure. 
That's uh, not twap. Yeah, that's twap. That's what that's twap music. Be very quiet. Be very quiet. We're listening to twap music. I'll be in the twap. No, but uh, like I know I'm not into that, so I'll just gravitate towards what I like. Yeah. And I think if to those people who listen to that, if that's their message that they respect and that they follow, good for them. It's just not yeah, my thing. People have their paradigms, you know. I listen to a lot of gospel rap, you know. Yeah. I think that's conscious rap too. I think revolutionary rap, like Third Root, is conscious rap, mm-hmm. and I definitely think Summer Saturday songs is conscious rap. I'm consciously putting that message together. I'm a great writer, you know. It's not like Oh, I just want to make a happy go lucky song. Like, there's way more than that going into it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but for it to come off where you, you know, grandma could accept it just as, oh, I like that, you know, it's clean. Okay, Riders Against the Storm. Oh yeah, listen to their music. Oh, I do. Ask them what those songs are about. Like, like what what are you really saying in this verse? And it's like, oh, but you don't really take it as all super heavy when you hear it. No, it just sounds like good energy. But there's a lot being said. Oh, there is. Yeah. There is. I love those guys. Yeah. I love those guys. Riders gets the storm, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. What else can we talk about? I bet they got a lot of, like, what? secret haters. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, they... They ain't even from here, man. They've been... Blow- they got here, like, four or five years ago, and they yeah. just... Whoo- they've studied who all the people are in the city. And they've studied what works for who. Mm-hmm. And they're just pulling all the resources together. They're doing everything everybody else is supposed to do consistently. Yeah. Consistently. <laughs> <laughs> they're doing no, everything they're true. supposed that's to true. do. No, that's true. depending on where your heart is, that can drive you crazy. Doing all this stuff right. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, Winning I mean, awards. And, so much. Having their own day. and you I know, mean, that, getting that's, a bunch of people that's the easy part. No, I know. But yeah. I'm just saying like. It's a totally different vibe when you're in the crowd and they're on stage. It's like, I know I had them on the show and yeah. the whole show was about feeling the energy. Yeah. They kept saying that over and over and over again. Yeah. How they want to connect. They want to, you know, bring, um, you know, positiveness. They want to feel people. They want to be out. They want, they want to MC. They want to. Mm-hmm sing and get people to participate they want mm-hmm. to do all these things so they, they're like it's all about community and it, mm-hmm. like you said they're doing all the right things and mm-hmm. they're being rewarded for it mm-hmm. so of course there's going to be people out there going to be like well you know they're from Rhode Island so what the f-, you know they're not yeah. they're not repping Austin or whatever but at the oh, end of the day where really? are you at and where are, where are they and who are all those people on stage with them yeah all those Austinites yep yep, yep. how dare you <laughs> How dare you obviously get, you know, John D's to head up your band, getting the dope musicians and stuff. You're not even from here. So, I mean, I know you don't you don't really have time to keep up with what's happening uh, around town, but how do you think, um, from what you've seen, what's the hip-hop scene like now? Take a deep breath. Because <laughs> the kids that you're teaching are going to be eventually, you know, part of that. Yeah. Uh, so how, how do you, do you I, warn them about certain things or what? Not really. I mean, I, I see the kids as just having a lot of wisdom. 
and they don't see hip hop anything like we do. Not really. You know, mm-hmm. they just see it as fun and music and, you know, they don't have, you know, they're 12. <laughs> yeah, but eventually they'll be thrown in this right. this whole industry. and Maybe. Well, they'll be better prepared than others. That's the goal is if, if in case they want to do all of that, then they can get, by the time they're out of high school, you know, they would have all the, you know, the benefit of all the wisdom and experience and all of that that, you know this 40 year old has or whatever you know mm-hmm. and that 40 year old and that 30 year old like all of that wrapped together you know um but really at the end of the day you're still talking about writing and art and expression mm-hmm. and ways to perform that in a way that's effective ways to consider who your audience is going to be or even how you could market yourself in a way that'll be well received you know by people your age and people of other ages and that's kind of the real simple approach in terms of us putting music together um, lyrics and song concepts and then we have the producers that do what they do you know we'll consider this you know well do you want to make a Chirac or you want to make a loyal because one of those makes a lot more money than the other you know another so there's a lot of different perspectives but that's all just a means to putting a child at the center of the universe because mm-hmm. once you put a child at the center of the universe where it's like okay I know five different adults and they're all just helping me make my music and find places to perform it you know, I must be a pretty bad dude. Mm-hmm. And from there, you know, that equals exposure to new experiences and that equals, you know, so it's just added self-esteem and perspective in terms of what can be achieved. So it really represents achievement at the end of the day, expression and achievement. And from there, you might not, you know, stop at just, oh, I want to be a rapper in the rap industry. Mm-hmm. That should just be one option that you have because, you know, you've accomplished something and adults are putting you at the center instead of, you know, you kind of living your life uh, at the mercy of the adults, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah I see what you're saying. That's just an educational principle is if you can put a kid at the center of the universe, then you gain a lot of influence with them and you empower them in a lot of ways because they can see all kinds of possibilities that they couldn't see when they were just some kid in the classroom or just some kid at school, just one of many, you know? Kind of like the UT experience, you know? If you don't come there with a real strong identity and and concept for what it is you want to achieve, then you can just get caught up in just being one of 50,000 you know, 50, students. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, maybe you don't actually find your purpose in that scenario. So that's what it's really about, is really centering those kids and going from there. Dude, your son is going to be... <laughs> he's bad. Yeah. He's talented. I don't know he's going to be amazing. Be. Yeah, but just oh, with all now. that. Yeah, I mean, shit. From he's what you two. told me already. He's two. He reads, you know, second grade books and kindergarten, you know, study readers. and He's ill, man. I, I believe it. He's a trip. I don't know. I mean, that, 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 yeah, but there's a lineage between, you know, your parents, you and him, and yeah. all the knowledge that goes with that, all the music that goes with that, yeah. all the uh, the purpose that goes with that, and, and that's that's heavy. Yeah, right. Right now, he's he's real. He's on this. Well, he you know he's really into literacy, big time. At two, big time. Man, I know my ABCs at two. That's about it. <laughs> nah, this kid can spell elephant and alligator and apple juice and all kinds of stuff and right now musically he's on this 
album called Greater Than by Ty Tribbett. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but uh-uh. that's his joint. Like he can sing that album back and forth, and he only wants to sing lead. He doesn't want to do the responses, just the calls, so to speak. Um, he's on that real tough, doing potty training, um, trains. Uh, we did a lot of swimming. It's time to get him in sports and stuff like that because he's big enough now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's, I was, I was, turns he's out. pretty sick, man. He can spell urchin and you know all kinds of stuff. He's a trip. You got to check him out. Well, I mean, no, okay. He's getting to that point of you know not worrying about like singing and spelling and doing all the stuff he does like in public. He's starting to get pretty comfortable with that, so that's pretty scary, you know, because like. One of his grandfathers is, is you know, big time. Well, actually, take that back. Both of his grandfathers are, like, big time intellectuals, you know? Both of his grandmothers are school teachers. And his, his daddy's, daddy's school a school teacher. teacher. His daddy's an artist. His mom is doctor of education. You know, on and on and on. So it's kind of ill. But I have no idea where it's going to go. I just don't want to mess it up. Like, whatever's supposed to happen for him, I don't want to mess it up, get in the way of it, obstruct it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I just want to, you know, just be able to water the seed, let the sun shine on the seed. I don't want to be shade, you know what I'm saying? Man, I'm glad I'm recording all this. Yeah. <laughs> I'll play that for my kids. Yeah. <laughs> and y'all should too. Uh, yeah, we're talking for an hour 50, so we need to Ooh. wrap this up. We're at the chorizo funk level. Y'all yeah. had an hour 41, right? Yeah, something like that. And I still haven't done all the promos and everything, so it's going to be a, like a two-hour plus. Who's going to listen to all that? I don't know, but you're going to tell them. Hmm. And I will, too. I'm going to tell them. All right. Uh, let's play a little, <laughs> um, not a game. I only have a couple of questions. Like, what, uh, can you name like a, a place that you could recommend to the audience that, you know, you would go to or you think people should go to anywhere in town? Yeah. Thank, which one? Uh, Bartholomew Park to the pool. Where's that? 51st Street, right across from the Mueller H-E-B. Oh, I didn't know. What about at night? No. Nothing? You can't recommend anything? Oh, yeah, yeah, I can. I thought you meant the pool. Um. At night, uh, body rock. Yeah. Crazy. Because you're either going to dance or you're going to leave. <laughs> There's no middle ground. Yeah, that's what I tell people. <laughs> that's what I tell people. Crazy. I, yeah. I don't. I've, I've walked out of body rock and took my shirt off and yeah. just wrung it out. Yeah. It's it's like that. It's, yeah. My wife's birthday is on the 4th. Mine's on the 6th. And the next body rock is on the 5th. Oh, you're there. Ooh. And at midnight, it's my birthday. Bring your dancing shoes. Bavu is going to be in that Soul Train line. I'll be, I'll be barefoot. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen you dance, man, but I'll be there to see that. If I start dancing, I'm not going to see you. All right. I'm I'll, just going to be dancing. That, that's the whole point of dancing. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Just Thank zone you. out. Yep. Uh, yeah, no, nah, I've gone to Body Rock and got drenched. I performed there once, too. That was cool. Um, but, yeah, Body Rock, I would say at night. Let's think. What else is crazy? My wife went to Mel's joint the other day, like Ladies Night, is that what it's called? The nineties R and B Saturday, R&B. yeah. She she thought that was excellent. She, she only her only critiques was he didn't play It Takes Two. Oh. And well 
You play a lot of all the good stuff. I know, but it takes two. You get the you can hear that anywhere else. I know, but you said nineties party, right? Nineties R and B, yes. And hip hop, mostly R and B. Okay, okay. It was most it, it it turned to hip hop towards the end of the night. Yeah, but it the like the the, the core of it, most of it was straight R and B. So we heard some really. Uh, a bunch of Leah, a bunch of uh, okay. SWV. She said it was awesome. Yes. She said it didn't end very strong either. She said he played like, I believe, like a fly in the club. Yeah, he did. She wasn't feeling it. Yeah, it happens. But overall, she loved it. Overall, it was great. If those are your only critiques. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, that's, and that smell playing, seriously. Yeah, she never met him. All right. Uh, G, you know, our kids play together often. Who? Baby G. Oh, Baby G's kid? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. You know, male G. Yeah, I yeah, just yeah, associate yeah. Them. Did you know? You know Nasties? Yes, of course. Was started by who? It was Mel and Baby G. Well, I got to listen back because I had Mel on the show. It was started by DJ Snotty. Who's oh, yes, yes. He did bring that up. Mel where, did bring it up. Where's he from? I don't remember. Garland, Texas. And he lived in your neighborhood? Four streets away. We went to the same elementary school. Damn, small world. Same grade level, everything. Another guy who came to Austin. Mm-hmm. Got it popping. And that's his still going 17 years strong or something? There's another guy from our neighborhood named uh, Marty Kadelka. He's a big-time choreographer. There's something about that neighborhood, huh? <laughs> I guess so. Garland, Texas. Man, at, uh, Represent- at? we all lived Rep- off of Galaxy Road. The founder of Hump Day. Same neighborhood. We all went to fourth grade together. Shit. Nah, Marty was a year younger than us. He was a BMXer, but now I think he's choreographer for like Timberlake, last I checked. Must be nice. Uh, Yeah, that's about all I can think of. That's cool. All right, let's see. You heard the Chorizo Funk show. Yeah. Uh, Do you remember what his original name was before Chorizo Funk? Yeah. What was it? Hang on. It was after a rapper. Okay. Hang on. It was after a rapper? Yeah. It was inspired by a rapper with his name. Hang on. Ah. (laughs) How much time do I have? Go ahead. I mean, I I give you you five more seconds. Four. Three. You said it so many times, too. Two. One. You said it so many times. E below. After one below. That was the original E below. Oh, I knew that. I was thinking about something else you kept saying over and over again. No, that was it. I knew E below. That was it. That was Chorizo. I did a show with E below. Yeah, but it was some some other some other concept y'all kept saying over and over again. No, instead Chorizo Funk was a concept that he came up with with his friend growing up. There was one more thing y'all kept saying over and over and over. It was another one of those those little slogans. I swear you said it like five times. Oh, shit. I have to listen to my shows. I can't remember what it was. Uh, I got to go back and listen to it. There was something you just kept saying. And it, it was funny every time. <laughs> I believe it. Shit. Hold on. I don't know if it was a genre of music or a style of music or. Yeah, it was the McQuack. <laughs> right. McQuack dance. All right. Uh, anyway, 
Yeah, it's been a, almost two two hours. Uh, plugs, shout outs, uh, social media, Twitter, Instagrams, internets. Uh, that's all you know. I know you've been talking a lot, but I'm, I'm just. Bavu saying. Blakes. Every time. Bavu Blakes. Okay. Say Bavu Blakes. Bavu Blakes. Dot com or Twitter.com slash. Bavu Blakes. Or Instagram.com slash. Bavu Blakes. Facebook.com slash. Bavu Blakes. Yeah. What else is there? Uh, That's it, right? This, yeah, I think. Oh, uh, this Friday, performed with Third Root uh, on the bill with Freestyle Fellowship at the ND live in concert is. Bravo Blakes. Yeah. <laughs> performing at Ross Day this Saturday at Kenny Dorham's backyard, uh, like six something right after Rise Against the Storm, then the Levites, and then you have. Bravo Blakes. Yeah, and teaching seventh grade humanities in the morning at uh, Maynard ISD Middle School. <laughs> I won't name right now. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you got him. Mr. Bravo Blakes. Hey. All right. B-A-V-U. Blakes. Yeah. People were going to go out and spell it O-O and all that. So. Yeah, people confuse that. I was, I was spelling the pronunciation. Yeah, I know, but didn't get that. You know what's crazy, man? Did that record, and then you know, by the time people really knew the record, then what came out? The Blast. The Blast? What was that? You pronounced my name, Quali, so it's like, oh, you got to pronounce it. Oh, record. The Blast, Quali song. Stuff like that always happens. There's always something I did, and then some, some, and somehow Kanye West, Quali, Common, they always like do something similar in a short amount of time, and I feel like a dummy. Because people are like, so is that where you got that from? It's like, no, I, let me prove to you. Well, you did this thing on Friday, which i never seen before. Uh-huh. Um, Element dropped the beat. Uh-huh. And you're like, should I do it like this? Da, 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 yeah. Should I do it like da, 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 Auditioning like the flow pattern. Yes, and, and you were asking, yeah, and you asked people yeah. to vote on yeah. how you should rap on this song. Yeah. I thought you were going to do the song. but I it, haven't written it yet. Yeah. That's really where I am with the song. I never seen that shit before. It worked. Yeah, because people voted. Yeah, that was crazy because people were like into it and rocking, and I wasn't really doing a song. I was like vibing, you know, like or right. That was awesome. That's all I've done on the song. And my man right here breaks the stand and then holds the mic with the stand on the shoulder. Yeah, rapping with a cane. Because why? Because why not? At the end of the day, because why not? Seriously, that was a dope show, man. Really liked it. I think people really, really felt it too. It wasn't a big crowd, but they were, everybody was just watching and it listening. Yes, it, it really felt did. significant. It really did. It really did. And that's what a Babu show is. So go see him uh, Friday at the ND uh, with Freestyle Fellowship, Third Root, and Minds of, what's it called? Of the Different Kind? They're on it too? Yeah. Come on. I know you want to go. Yeah, mine's a different kind. Now you want to go. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's see what's happening. Oh, one other thing that you've done, and I've talked to, to you about this before. You you were walking around back then, back when Blazing Saddles, actually, that's the one I bought from you. 05, 06-ish. Yes, and then you're like, here, name your price, and then the CD's yours, mm-hmm. which I've never seen anybody do. Maybe I mean... 
Maybe it's people do it, but that was my first time seeing someone coming up to me and say, hey, I have something for you. Just name your price. That's it. It was extremely unique then. But now, oh, you mean like a radio head or whatever? You know, now people do that, you know. I don't know, man. Like I said, people just, they take, you know. I'm not saying they take my ideas because they don't get them from me. But then yeah. they do it like shortly after. And then it's like, oh, you mean like radio? You know. I remember I got in trouble for, I was in this contest, the Scion contest with like DJ Premier, Alchemist and Green Lantern, I believe were the judges. And they voted me into the finals uh-huh. of sending in a song. And then the dude called me. I mean, it's, again, it's something you can look up, but basically I got kicked out at the last minute of the contest for making disparaging remarks about George Bush. Right. And Osama bin Laden, but about George Bush mm-hmm. and they weren't, it was a metaphor, so it wasn't really disparaging remarks. It was just referring to them having a lot of oil to mm-hmm. the point of being spoiled rotten with their control over that, right? Yeah. So what happens, like, maybe 10 days later? This is late August of 2005. What happened 10 days later? Mm-hmm. Kanye West oh. makes disparaging remarks. But I can't think of nothing. You know what I'm saying? I didn't even do that one on purpose, but it's like, why I keep getting overshadowed? Because you're supposed to be a teacher, man. Stop trying to be a rapper, boy. <laughs> Sit down somewhere. So, yeah. Teach the kids. That's your, girl. That, that's your mission. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Get over yourself. Yeah, you'll be fine. Fine. Oh, great. And great. Great. Uh, all right, let's see what's happening this weekend real quick. Right. Uh Thursday, uh Vice playing that vinyl, all hip-hop, and booty music, no cover. If you haven't been to vinyl... It's pretty dope spot. You check it out. Yeah, I've been there once. Yeah. Um, Wife of Tiger Lou Mahalani Williams, right? Yeah. I think I saw her spinning there with Queen Dealer hosting. It was dope. Yeah. The, the, the Dame thing. I think they moved it over there. I stumbled upon that one night. It was great. Uh, so that's Thursday at Vinyl, which is at Chicago House on Trinity between uh, 6 and 7. Uh, Friday. There's that's not uh, That's not Side Street. I mean, uh, that's not a. Uh, what? Alley thing? That's not um, uh, Firehouse? No. Oh. It's what Fuel used to be. Side Street. Side Street Bar. When, okay. There was two spinoffs from Hump Day. One was when we were doing Hump Day on Wednesdays, we were doing Side Street Bar on Sundays. Baby G had just moved from Dallas, so we set that spot Wait. up. Jay and Seldon set up that spot. Fuel it used to be called Side Street Bar, and DJ Baby G used to DJ oh, there okay. on Sundays. During the Hump Day era. The second spinoff of Hump Day was basically like the Hump Day VIP lounge. And that was Plush when it was an upscale place. Plush was an upscale place? Plush was never dirty and stinky and tagged up. It was extremely high end. I got pictures to prove it. Ask Nick Knack. He's one of the original DJ. He'll be on. Yeah. Ask him about about the difference between Plush now and when it started. (laughs) In terms of aesthetics. I mean, I I remember when it was it was all um, it wasn't that many like pieces on the walls. I remember I wrote there my were name. No pieces on the wall. I, I remember writing my name on on top of the uh, the ba- the men's bathroom door. If you watch the video for VHVO, yeah, you won't recognize plush in the video. Oh shit! It I looks need to pull totally that sh- I, different. Yeah, I need to pull when that up When me and again. Nick Knack and Sheldon are sitting in this lounge and there's a screen behind us, yeah. that's plush. <laughs> when we're all going around, go. Go. Anytime we're not in the boxing ring, that's plush. 
it looks completely different. Damn, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't recognize it, honestly. You wouldn't. No. It's... It was actually plush. That thing now, they should call that dank or stank or, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it is pretty. Uh, Alley. It's a dive bar. Dive. Dive, yeah. Oh, that dive bar was next Grime. Time. All right, let's see what else is up. Uh, Funk. So Friday, yeah, Freestyle Fellowship at the North Door with ICLO and Micah 9, South Jupiter. Uh, mine's a different kind. Third Root and... Bobby Blakes. Yeah. Uh, DJ Notion, courtesy of Music in Mind. So that's 15 bucks um, or 20 with the VIP, me and Grid Dinner and all that. So go check him out, man. This is, this is some dope hip-hop. Uh, Saturday is Ras Day. Riders Against the Storm. Doon, 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 doon. <laughs> this is for La Ras. Doon, doon, doon. Ras. So that's at 3 p.m. at Kenny's, uh, I said a dorm? Kenny Dorm. Kenny Dorm's Legendary backyard. jazz musician. Uh, 1106 East 11th Street. Are uh, you going to have all kinds of stuff? You got Wi Fi in here? Yeah. Viva La Ras. <laughs> We have uh, yoga, games, food, Queen Dealers performing, Jackie Vinson, a bunch of other people. Huckleberry. Uh, and Bavu Blaze, of course. Bavu Blaze. Uh, no cover. Rapping it's, in public. It's uh, family friendly, right? Yeah, DBW32. Yeah. yeah. Rapping in public. And um, there's also a party at uh, the cabaret room inside Speakeasy, House of Grey Goose. There's a bunch of birthdays, uh, including. Uh, Glenn Williams, uh, Ricardo Brazil, good friends. Yeah, Ricardo, what's up? Yeah. Uh, DJ Jessica is, sp- is spinning over there. So that's happening Saturday night, uh, free until 11 o'clock, and then I don't know how much it's going to be, but go check it out. Uh, Sunday, of course, a bunch of stuff. It's Float Fest in San Marcos at the Crow River Ranch, 11 a.m. with Run DMT, Bun B, Zeely, Henry and Invisibles. You know who that is, right? Yeah. Henry's. Dope, man. I love play with Mojo. Love, love me, Henry the Invisibles. Uh, um, I mean, prices like from forty to one twenty, depending on what you just do the concert or you do the tubing and the concert or you camping or it's VIP. So just go to floatfest.net, find out all that stuff. Uh, also, if you're staying in town, Rainy Street is having a block party starting at, 10, at twelve p.m. Uh, Container Bar, Clive Bar, and Bar ninety six. Uh, I'm going to have uh, some music, cocktails, all that. Mahalani playing at Container Bar uh, after sunset. Bar 96 will be playing some uh, college football. Uh, let's see what else. What else? Uh, New Jack Swing. Protege Mike Swing and Kid Slice are taking the New Jack Swing joint to Houston hmm. uh, on Sunday at the Alley Cat Bar and Lounge. Pro. 3818 Main Street. If you're in Houston and you know people in Houston, you know, tell them to go check it out because New Jack Swing Party is always dope. That's another one that's like really. You, I hadn't you been there dance. yet. Okay. Yeah. I got to check that out. I'll go back with Pro. Yeah. And Mike. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, there's a party also at Brass House on Sunday night. Uh, they're going to have burlesque dancers and hmm. belly dancers and body paint and all that stuff. I think it's like 10 bucks at the door. Uh, is Serafia gonna be there? Uh, I don't think she's on. That there. just sounds like something she'd be at. No, I don't just think bellies so. and body paint. I didn't. I didn't see her on there. 
All right, well, that's about it. Um, guys, I really need you guys to go to iTunes and subscribe. Uh, I need some ratings. I need some comments. I need to know. I need your feedback. I need to find out what you think. Uh, go back to the old shows. There's a bunch of people I've had on. Uh, from Chris Proper, DJ Mel, Chicken George, T-Double, Zeely, Yulavai. Like, I've had a bunch of people, so... Go back, listen, check the archives, and give me your feedback. It's a lot of work putting this thing together every week, and uh, I ain't getting paid from it, hopefully soon, but uh, I need your feedback, all right? And on that note, Mr. Blakes. Back. Yes. Uh, would you grace us with a little freestyle session? I can try. I got to go home and do any dishes, but I can try. All right. Hold on to me. All right, all right. You ready? Yep. Let's do this. I don't know what to expect, so we'll see. Go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh come on, rock. Turn my headphones up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You ready? You ready? Go. Uh, uh, uh. Go, 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 ladies. Right? Slum village. Yep. Okay. I'll try it now. Go ahead. I can't freestyle the way I used to Neither can Craig G from the Juice Crew I might need a power booster too So back, give me a topic, it's on you, huh? The Feedback The Feedback Magazine Used to be a little Damon Williams thing Back in the day and I had an article like a feature That's written by Walker Bree A But now the feedback has lost the C Now the old feedback's out to sea. We spell C so differently that it still makes sense. So what'll it be? I'ma need a topic from you when this one's done. So if you're ready, man, give me another one on the one. Go. Hump day. Hump day 99 to 2002 was on time. It was right place, right time, synchronicity. Matter of fact, Austin hip hop history. And what's funny about this instrumental is it was the same time as hump day. That's simple. Yeah, they had a label called Good Vibe. This kind of blew them up because it was live. Had some minor releases from Austin nights. But hey, we going off tonight. And the go ladies, my lady's named Tiff. Back in the day, I used to roll spliffs. Now I can't, but I still get a lift. And I told you I got them spiritual gifts. And one of them's called exhortation. And this is not your radio station. But it's the feedback. And that's for back to the Z. He came all the way from France to Senegalese. People, they don't speak Senegalese. They speak some other language. I don't remember the name. But I tell you this. I remember the fame of Hump Day, man. Rock so hard, it's a shame. So go, ladies. So many ladies showed up. They said, I want to be with you when you blow up, but I never did. Never had me a hump day kid, but I still would split people's wigs with all the freestyles we did three hours at a time. Yeah, not an attaboy, but at a rhyme. What a rhyme, kind of like what a rapper, you know, what a burger, but hey, rappers come after. That means we stole that, kind of like the what it do, but this feedback show is for you. So go, ladies, if you on your podcast or maybe your iTunes, I'm like the typhoon, the audio typhoon, audio hurricane my name ain't katrina because i ain't no dame but go ladies if you make swoon or maybe get a little moist then i'm to blame so go ladies if that happens but i shouldn't have said that it's too wild but not tame go ladies and hip-hop grew up can't wait till my sight come back but 
I still gotta teach tomorrow early. First, I gotta clean them dishes for my girlie in the back. I ain't gonna let you off the hook. One more time, this next topic's a good look. What's up? ALS. Huh? ALS. ALS? All right. ALS. I never know much about the disease, but I see him pouring ice on their head like, please. I say, Negro, please, because black's back. And he had his shirt off. I said, black is back. I meant to say, back is black. Whatever, you could flip it. See, regardless, this freestyle exhibit, I don't rap like I used to, but neither does Chuck D for PE crew. And I don't even know if he freestyles or not. But I know he got 97 half as hot Put him on blast And next thing you know They like half what they were a year ago So go ladies Go ladies Anything else? You want another topic? I think so You got another topic? Oh man, you got me. I blanked out He's stuck We in the capital city TX He got a drum around his neck A white V-neck A shiny silver watch On his left arm And the other side It's just an amulet A charm I made up a word Maybe it didn't fit Regardless The freestyles transmit I submit it to you humbly Cause I ain't what I used to be But it still sounds spruce to me Spruced up that is Juiced up that is That's enough for me I gotta go home And provide for this kid Peace Ooh, that was random. Yes, I and can't help. After, it. after I'm rusty. After two hours of talking, and you top it with this. Rusty. This, this one, this one is for uh, the collector's edition. Uh, yeah, seriously, thank you so much, man. No sweat. Thank you so much. So, thank you. Definitely go check them out, Bavu Blakes. Everything dot com slash Babu Blakes. Babu Blakes. Yes. And uh that's it guys. You have a good one and talk to you next week. Ciao. Peace. <laughs>